Welcome to the Nick and Matt Show. Bringing the player interviews you want to hear and the hot topics you want to discuss. Streaming live on the Foundation Podcast YouTube channel, here's Nick and Matt. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? We are on episode number 37. Matt and I hope you are all having a wonderful week. Uh, we just want to give a shout out to everyone tuning in for the show tonight, audio listeners and all that. Also, shout out to the Foundation Nation, or excuse me, the Foundation Podcast Network. And also want to give a shout out to our other show, The Grip Locked with Hunter and Trevor. They do a lot of different talk picks. They talk about the tournaments going on throughout the week. So anyways, all good things happening right now. Nick, Matt, Nick, how's you, your week going? Yeah, my week's going great. What do you what do you think about this uh, other show we, we go up with? Um, Grip locked. I've listened to them regularly mm-hmm. and I've noticed that they, you know, glean content that we bring in our interviews, which for those listening right now, you're going to have to check that out on Thursday because if they find now, no pressure to Hunter and Trevor, they're listening now. They're like, dang it. You don't right. have to take things from our show, but I will say this. It's very cool. Especially the fact that like we do the intro and then I go listen mm-hmm. to their show to hear a other perspective on maybe the take that the interview brought. And it's just really cool mm-hmm. to expand on these interviews that way. Um, they are not yeah. an interview show, but they're, they're a hot take show and they, they take some of the quotes and they run with them. I think it's really cool. Yeah. It's, it's cool hearing people say like, Oh yeah, I heard that on the Nick and Matt show and Hunter and Trevor definitely do that a lot. It's funny. I was actually here at foundations warehouse this morning and we were just talking about the show, talking about future goals of it and everything like that. So it's really fun. It's been going very well. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to literally jump right into it right now. Texas state, not Texas states. Like I like to do Texas state disc golf championship national tour. The first one of 2021 and the first one since, um, what was it last year? Um, 2019. Oh my, there wasn't even one last, last year. Yeah. It was, it's been so long. So yeah. This is incredible, Nick. I don't know how much you enjoyed it, but there was so much parody again. I don't know if we're ever going to see the same tournaments of old. Like, yeah, I'll list it out and then you tell me what you think about it. Round two, because round one is just a feature card, obviously. But round mm-hmm. two, we saw Coling, Casey White, Chris Dickerson, and Joel Freeman. Now, most of those names you know, but Joel Freeman you don't see too often up there, and Casey White. Mm-hmm. And honestly... Who would have picked Jeremy Colling to come out the hot round? I know. It's it's funny. I'd actually, on the Nick and Macho's Twitter, I had asked people say, hey, who do you think is going to win the event? Who do you think is going to make a big showing and everything like that? I saw a lot of Rickies. I saw a couple of Jeremy's. Um, but I didn't see any Joel's. I didn't see any Casey's. And so after the first round, it's been like this all year where you really can't, you can't tell who's going to make the first round lead, or excuse me, the second round lead card. And this tournament was no different. Um, Jeremy, obviously a longtime player. Joel took last year off. If you don't know who Joel is, he took last year off, but he's an end of a sponsored guy. I think he's on team champion. Great player. Obviously everyone knows Chris Dickerson. Yeah. But, uh, but here's States the point. Golf champion. We haven't seen, we haven't seen Jeremy Colling or Chris Dickerson or Joel for, well in a long time. So this year that's mm-hmm. the first. Um, yeah. Ricky, this is round three, final round. So Ricky, okay, to be expected. But the parody comes mm-hmm. with, again, Casey White. We're, we'll talk about that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Chris Dickerson and then Matt Orham. This is not the tournaments of even last year or, I mean, if we go back further, of course, not the years before with it always being Paul, Ricky, 
maybe Eagle, maybe Simon, Eagle maybe Sexton, in, maybe Conrad. whoever. Yeah, like exactly. you pick all this, the names, Calvin, like it's like, that's mm-hmm. what we were used to. It was always those like fantastic four. <laughs> and yeah, it's weird. It's been different this I like, year. I come to think of it right now. And I don't think after rounds two and round three, there wasn't a uh, Discraft sponsored player on the lead card, which usually there's, you know, one of them per tournament. So it's kind of weird seeing that go down. But, yeah, um, so yeah, there's there's a lot of parity. Trying to, choose, trying to choose players this year for who's going to win the tournament, yada, yada, yada. It's, it's impossible right now. It's crazy. But let's get right to it after talking about the parity, which has just been epic this year. Like you said, impossible to guess. But Ricky does take it down. Um, th- I didn't say spoiler. I'll say it after I say who won. <laughs> be like, wait, that's yeah, not how it works. Exactly. But you know what I noticed in relation to that? We finished our show out with that last week was like spoilers and all that. The PDGA, mm-hmm. kudos for them announcing immediately when the winners win. That is their, oh, yeah. that is their tournament. They immediately announced it. Yeah. Um, Innova immediately announced it. I felt like there was hope for the world of disc golf when I saw like, finally, it's like, you see people coming in the, the comments to be like, who's here to say spoiler? Like, we're not going to let you. Yeah. Like, this is live sports. That, yeah. So I, I checked the comments just to see if there were people mad about the spoilers <laughs> that just happened. It was pretty funny. Yeah. So Ricky takes it down. Now, this is back to back events for him. That's the first that I'm recalling in my head this year for back to back winners. Um mm-hmm for any for any yeah. event unless we're unless there's some small event in there I'm missing but like in general Ricky back to back averaged 1071 and this is I, I'm going to say over the course of six rounds that's between Belton and now Texas State that's pretty incredible averaging 1071 over six rounds that's no joke um mm-hmm. can I go on record right now Nick and say that we totally <laughs> and I'll say I was the one who started it we totally messed up last week. We called out uh, Ricky as the highest rated disc golfer. Now we wanted to yeah. build him up because he was a guest on our show. No, I'm kidding. Exactly. But I went on our comments on YouTube. A lot of people saw it. A lot of people liked it. I, I really want you guys to know one totally messed up. It just slipped our brain as in like we're in mid show and we remembered an announcement with that. We obviously knew Eagle was the highest rated. Yeah. But once we started saying it, it just stuck with us. Ricky never corrected us because maybe yeah, I was going to say Ricky never even corrected it. So here, here he is. He's standing up on this high mountain going on right now. But yeah, he never even uh, told us different. So but no, it wasn't we'll do better. judgment. And I think we were like, what, 90% through the show. And we were just like, holy crap. Wait, I, yeah. he's not the highest rated player, though. So back but to his performance. If he keeps on pace that he's going, he's going to be. Yeah, so. back to what, what did he shoot for his final round? he shot well let's just talk he shot eight down on the back nine he finished 11 11 down overall in the final round which tied the course record previously set by kevin jones the round prior so definitely it's hard to beat when you got a player shooting course records here and there and so when that happens what what can you do i think that's twice now over the last two tournaments that in the last round ricky tied the course record i think he shot 16 down the final round at belton which is wild and is, then, uh, and that's with missing like a 20 foot putt over at Belton. So just something to be said and then tying the course record last round. It's funny. I was watching the coverage live and over the first nine holes, I was like, man, Ricky, you know, he's doing all right. The first two holes, he went birdie birdie. And then he kind of like slowed down a little bit. I think he had a random bogey in there and you're kind of like, okay. And then the back nine, he just shredded it. So 
There was no stopping him. No one was catching up. Is uh, Saki Bomb back? Saki Bomb might be back. <laughs> I think Saki okay. Bomb is back. I think it deserves at least a 30-second discussion here. If we see Ricky get back to his top, tip-top form before, obviously, the tick and the Lyme disease and all that, and let's just say Paul does not come back to his, what was it, 2015 or whatever his Grand Slam year was, mm-hmm. that Ricky will be a dominating force this year. It's very possible. Um, at this point, with back-to-back wins, averaging 1,071 over the course of all of those rounds, mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not predicting anything, but we're seeing something we haven't seen yet this year. Yeah. Um, well, how about, what's funny? Yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, what's funny about that is, you know, Ricky in 2016, 2017 was easily the best putter in the world. And now that Ricky, he's slowly, I think he was 100% over like 35 putts from circle 1X over the weekend. And then circle two, he had an absurd percentage as well. That was just like insanely good. And so when Ricky is putting those putts together, anything within 33 feet, you can almost count it. Anything within 45 feet, he was draining left and right. And he had a big momentum birdie that from like 45, 50 feet that we're just, we're used to seeing that old Ricky hit. And I honestly, I do think that he's getting used to those KC pro AVRs, whatever he's putting with. And I, you know, it's hard to beat him when he's putting that well. I got to get off that rivalry truck from last week, but wasn't it Paul who's quoted as saying like, Hey, if Ricky's got like a lead or something at worlds, you can count him out or something like he's going to choke. Yeah. Years and years ago. Yeah. So anyways, that's a good rivalry, but let's talk about this. Let's move on. We're getting ready for our guests to come on later here. Um, Who is Matt Orem? Now, if you've been in the sport for mm, a long time, you probably mm-hmm. have heard the name enough times to know. But if you're newer to the sport, even I would say even in the last few years, that's just kind of my perspective. He hasn't been this big name um, that everyone sees regularly week in and week out. So we thought it would be worth kind of giving you some information on him. First of all, he's out of Alabama. He's been playing the PDGA uh, sanctioned events for 22 years. That is quite a while, Nick. I've been playing disc golf for 14. <laughs> yeah, so he, th- this was cool. The disc golf network did this during the live coverage. Um, they were talking about who Matty O was, Matty Orem, and they had played this old footage of the final nine, and I think from 2005 when Nate Doss had won his first world champ, or uh, 2000, yeah, 2005, when Nate Doss won his first world championship, and Matty Orem was on the final four, going into that last, you know, the final nine, excuse me. So he was on the final nine card. So he's been in the game for a long time. Definitely a great player. He took second at this uh, last week's tournament, averaging 1053, 19 points above his player rating. And this is actually, I think, his second or third year getting second place at the tournament that is held at the Dogwood course. So I think back in 2019, it was like the Piney Woods Classic, and I think he got third place. And so he obviously does well at this course obviously plays well in the woods he's an alabama guy i'm not really sure how their courses are but so i think seems like he plays in the woods well yeah 19 points above his player rating again this is just based on averages that's all we're trying to do is just to give you if you don't know him you'll kind of know where he's at playing for his skill level so he averaged 1053 which is pretty well (laughs) his career earnings i thought this number was quite a bit higher than i expected man but i guess after 22 years and if you're a good player one hundred and seventy-seven thousand four hundred and ninety-eight dollars. Now, that's not that much money when you spread it out over twenty-two years. But as far as earning it for disc golf, when disc golf wasn't a big money earner until 
<laughs> realistically, the last maybe five or six years was even a chance for you to yeah. start making money. Um, that's exactly. that's pretty incredible. 276 um, events that he's played, PDGA, I want to be mm-hmm. clear, and 63 wins. Now, he does play in a lot of events. This was based off of Disc Golf Network stats that they found. I kind of took that mm-hmm. from them where he plays a lot of events down in um, what you would call kind of their club, but bigger than their club. It's a regional sanctioning, um, kind of like we have up in New England, Nick, NIFA, New England Flying Disc okay, Association. Yep. They yep. have their own down there. So he does a lot of that that is not PDGA sanctioned. So, hey, Nick, gotcha. are we allowed to say that there's a high likelihood that we have him on the show next week? Spoiler alert. <laughs> um, actually, about five minutes before the show started, I had sent a message, uh, message out to Matt. We wanted to get him on for this week's show. But he has some traveling stuff going on right now. And so he did message me back just a couple minutes ago saying that next week he would love to be on the show. So we're going to try to lock that in throughout the week and get him. So um, just keep him in mind and we'll definitely have him on the show. Yeah, so that's cool. So, okay, Nick, on our show, I am hoping this doesn't really like actually work. But whatever we talk about as players not doing well, for some reason, it like they they step up to the bar. It's like they it's like they listen to our show. And exactly. it fires them up. I've heard that works for Paul McBeth. Um, That's what we're hoping. So, so Kevin Jones, I what did I say? I, I kind of went on a little rant. I was like, I don't know what he's doing. Does he think he's better exactly. than he is? And all these questions. Well, he was one of the players. Yeah, he was one of the pl- one of the players this year who we haven't heard much about. So to finally see him crawl back up the leaderboard, uh, shooting 18 under par for the whole tournament, 1039, which was only two points above his player rating. But the second round, he did cut, uh, set the course record that second round at 11 under par. So I heard ended his up in name. a tie for fifth place. I heard his name yeah. and I was like laughing exactly. because I'm like, I just went on this rant about like, where is he? What is he doing? And he ended up tying for fifth place. Now yeah. and he had a, he had a really slow front nine the last round. And uh, you can actually, I'm pretty sure there's post round coverage of it from gatekeeper GK pro, whoever does the chase card. I forget who it is, but um, they have post round coverage of the chase card and he's on it, but you can see he did start off the round slow. I think in the second nine, he put together four or five birdies in a row to kind of help him out a little bit. But um, yeah, back up there in fifth place <laughs> where we expect to see him. Yeah. yeah, well, exactly. That that was my point the other week. It's not that he's a bad player, but he's not where we're expecting him to be. Like we yeah. fully expect that we would have, I fully expect that I would have seen him like regularly top 10. But that was not mm-hmm. the case. So to come out, shoot a hot second round, actually get his name out there to start seeing him press up, especially to take the hot round to see his name up there and then to finish out in fifth place. At least there is a heartbeat there. <laughs> All right, yeah. let's go into um, where did Paul end up placing? Now, if you're looking at the show notes, you reviewed them. You know, I sent them to you about five minutes ago. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, and I've said this before. When Paul is not in first place, and I don't mm-hmm. think I'm exaggerating. When he's not in first place, you think something is wrong, or, as one of my sons says, um, he's not playing good. Mm-hmm. And that's just like that is what he has done to himself. He's performed at such yeah. a high level that if he's not, like, and I think disc golf, and I'll let you comment on this, is at a place right now where if you are in top ten. I think you are now performing at a high level. That didn't used to be the case. Even top 20 is questionable now. Like as in like, mm-hmm. if you're placing top 20, I think that's totally respectable now. Like very. Yeah. The parity and the competition is really increasing. So what do you think about Paul's yeah, performance? The, well, I was going to say the caliber of the competition definitely has upped this year and last year, even just with all the different names 
creeping into the sport. But, I mean, technically you would say Paul played below average. He was two points below his rating at the moment. And so when you kind of see that going on, you think, you know, what's going on? What's going on with this? What's going on with that? But I think he's still getting into the groove of things. There's plenty of tournaments left for the year. Um, I don't think there's anything significantly wrong. I just think that, you know, a lot oh. of players are playing really well right now. Oh, I'm going to pick on what you said there. Significantly wrong. So what what is insignificantly <laughs> yeah. wrong? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I'm trying to read it. Maybe his pinky toe hurts or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> All right. He's on the road. You're still living in Virginia, so you don't have that inside yep. scoop as much anymore. So, okay, let's move on. Casey White, we're giving him a shout out mainly because, well, I don't want to say mainly because, mainly because of his performance. That's the main reason. But secondly, he is from locally where you and I grew up, like uh, 20 minutes away, 30 minutes away. And we've watched him grow into the sport. So to see him make the lead card made New England up here literally like roar. We were so happy. Social media was buzzing. Incredible for him, Nick. Uh, would Would you do a few comments on what you thought about how he came out of the gate and honestly, his overall performance? What are your thoughts there? It's it's honestly pretty crazy because he had obviously an incredible showing at Bellin, and that's where his name on the live coverage really did come out a lot, and people really started hearing the name Casey White, and obviously a lot of people know who Casey is, but then you think, okay, he played great at a Silver Series event. It seemed like the course kind of fit his game. He's a great putter. He's got a solid forehand, solid backhand. Let's see how he does in these tight wooded courses, but the thing is is that in New England, 98% of the courses that we play are tight wooded courses where you have what looks like these finicky lines. And so Casey really did come out and prove that he does know how to play that woods golf. He, you know, played great under the pressure the last round, not so much, but at the same time, look, he played above his rating. He was on Jomez two rounds. He shot the hot round the first day. I mean, he had all these different things going for him at the same time, also going against him. And he was able to step up to the plate. So yeah, definitely huge shout out to Casey. I have to be honest when, and I, it's so crazy. I I don't want to say I'm speechless to see a player that we watched grow up into disc golf, Mm -hmm. be on the lead card for a final round of an NT. When he Mm -hmm. threw his first drive of round three and literally out drove every single pro disc golfer that weekend on that hole and parked it. I was like, I fist pumped. I clapped. My son's like, oh yeah, baby. Like every, like he, I hope he knows he made New England super proud. And uh, I, we had him on two weeks ago and we said, we think we expect to see you out there more. Yeah. Last week. Yeah. We were like, we expect to see you up there more. And he's like, oh yeah. Exactly. (laughs) And then he did it. Mind blowing. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, Finally wrapping up our little review here, Jeremy Colling, um, you want to just talk? Mm -hmm. It's literally just to say. We have not seen yeah. him on a lead card in a long time. And exactly. Then, yeah. Good to see him back up there. Good to see him playing, you know, well. Obviously, he wants to be a great player, and he was able to play pretty well this weekend. I don't have all the stats on it, but it was good to see him back up on that leaderboard. And he had a really funny uh, thing on Jomez where he took a putt and he hit the tree or something like that. He just looked at the camera, and he's like, can I try again? And it was just <laughs> funny. He's a com- He's a comical guy. <laughs> Yeah. So go ahead and uh, fill us in here. What what are your thoughts on Eagle McMahon? Because we haven't seen him for a little while either. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. what, what happened here at this event? So highest rated player in the world at the moment. Eagle McMahon is the highest rated player. We are sure of that at this point. <laughs> uh, I think it's 1056. And um, 
excuse me, he averaged 1036 over the tournament. The last two courses were both significantly wooded. So Belton and um, Texas States. So kind of obviously below his average, below what I would say he's, you know, used to playing and everything like that. He's probably pretty disappointed in himself, but with the way Eagles been playing throughout the year, I guess, you know, next big tournament is happening at Jonesboro. It's an open course. It's somewhere where you probably will see those players like, you know, Paul, Ricky, Eagle. They'll go back out and shine. Yeah, I think it's been interesting to watch him play through the woods. And I know that when we had him on for an interview, I think it was last year, uh, we actually brought that up. And he did allude to the idea that it's he didn't say that he plays poor in the woods. He said he's going to be a champion, show people that he can play in the woods. I don't know if it's the Woods game that is his issue right now. He's been alluding to, and I don't want to say excuses, but like some issue with his back and thanks for letting me haul the cart. He's telling people and all that. So exactly. I I definitely don't. It's not a Woods issue because at the same time, if he's got injuries going on, that obviously plays a huge fact of it. But in 2020, he won Idlewild, which is one of the most freakishly, freakishly wooded courses out on the tour. So you know, it, it's not a huge problem in the woods, but yeah, if you look back at his track record, a lot of the courses and tournaments that he has played in, especially in new England, I would say he doesn't have a great track record up here in new England. Um, but I don't know. Yeah. I, I think he, he'll get over that. I think he's got some injury stuff going on right now. That's definitely holding him back. Yeah. After seeing what he did at LVC, I don't think I would have predicted what's happened since then, but yeah, yeah, exactly. But look, you know, what can happen in three weeks? What can happen in two weeks? Stuff like <laughs> the that. The parody so. has been crazy. I can't say it enough. All right. But without yeah. further ado, we have our first guest of the night uh, named Alexis. You may know her as one of the quote unquote sisters. We're going to talk about that a little bit. But uh, my, my son goes, which one of the Mandohano sisters is this? Which one? <laughs> and I was like, it's Alexis. So we have Alexis joining us tonight. So let's go ahead and introduce her to the show. Alexis, how are you doing tonight? I'm good. How are you? Great. Good, where, good. where are you calling us Sorry, from? Sorry, just trying to fix this. That's okay. Our, our audio guests right now are like, fix what? Well, her camera. She has her phone out. Yeah, and she's... it's like... <laughs> That's Sorry. okay. You're okay. We she's can hear to, you She's okay. trying to center herself. You're, you're totally fine. <laughs> so, yeah, it's like... That's fine if you want to leave it like that. That's cool. Okay. All right. So where are you calling good. us from? Yeah. I am back home. Okay, and home for you guys is Texas, correct? Yes, San Antonio. Awesome. So let's get right into it, Nick. Uh, Alexis, we watched you take fourth place this week at Texas States. You shot one under par, which was only six strokes off the lead at a national tour. You averaged 950, which is about 25 points above your rating, so that's pretty good for you. Um to help everybody get a better understanding of like how you view your disc golf skills and how you perform this week. We've done this with some guests in the past, uh, scale one to 10 with one being very, very poor and 10 being, Mm -hmm. um, probably the best you think you could ever shoot. How do you feel like your uh, performance was this weekend? I would say it was a seven. I would say I never put together a good round. It was a few holes that were good, a few holes that were really bad. That I took five on holes that I knew I could birdie. I feel like for us ladies, there was a lot of par fours that we all knew we could birdie. And they were such gettable. And especially the final round, I took some dumb bogues where 
that's where I knew I needed to push and I didn't. That's where I kind of just messed up and kind of felt like, oh, shoot, this is that back nine we need to push. And it was just kind of a bland back nine for me. Yeah. So do you feel like playing, were you playing a little bit more aggressive on the back nine, which caused some little errors here and there? Or were you a little too safe on the back nine thinking I should be able to get these birdies no matter what? Yeah, I think more or less it was the waiting. I feel like once we got to hole mm. seven, it was kind of more like a 10, 15 minute wait every hole. From really? there, kind of got, yeah, from there, it just kind of got cold. I tried to move around, trying to just do something, be on my phone, trying to look at the scores. Okay, kind of keep me pumped. Mm-hmm. But then I checked on hole 12 the score i was tied for fifth and i was like okay well there's like six holes out of like seven i can birdie out from here yep. and from there i think it kind of just messed myself up and i just got pars from there i was trying to be aggressive ended up just taking pars mm-hmm. so gotcha yeah i think that's kind of a tough mentality when you think okay these are holes that i need to get these are holes that i should get every single time and you put yeah. a little extra added pressure on yourself but so you're new to touring this year in the professional era, you've obviously you've played professional events. You've been playing professional for a little while now, but this is your first year. You and your sister are out on the road. So is this your first national tour that you've ever played in? Yes. Nice. Okay. And then what were some of your thoughts as a weekend? There was obviously tons of cameras at this event. You've played a couple of pro tours now, so you're a little bit used to that. But cameras, banners, and the world's best competitors in the FBO division, pretty much yeah. everyone was there. How does that compare? Like... Does that help you perform better? Does it inspire you? I feel like it's a good motivation for me. I love when we go to practice and we see all the big players out there, all the big names. Mm-hmm. It gives me a good motivation. It's a good feeling to me to be like, okay, this is the year we're finally doing, we're playing these big events. And I feel like when it comes to these days when pressure hits or when the camera's out, I feel good. Like, I didn't feel nervous at all. Yeah. I felt calm. I felt like I had a good card, especially last round, just kind of like really chill, really chill round. And I felt good, but just never hit those lines that I needed to get, you know, just never pushed it to the extra level for the last round to get into the second gear to get the win. It was just kind of like very bland. Gotcha. So obviously you played incredible this weekend. What do you think, like, what was your best feature about your game? What do you think really helped you out? I felt like this tournament, my driving has finally came together. I've been working on trying to get distance, but Mm -hmm. I know this course, you don't need distance. But I kind of like switched my grips up a little bit the past two weeks. So doing that, I feel like it's helped my consistency in my drives. Mm-hmm. So I feel like doing that has helped a lot. And I enjoy playing wooded courses rather than big like fall golf courses. I don't Abs- have a distance. Absolutely. Totally agree yeah. with that. Now, you're also your team Discraft this year. Okay. This is your yeah. first year with Discraft. And I'm a Discraft underground player. And so I want to know this. What was your go-to Discraft disc that was really you felt like was really helping you out this week? I carry two Undertakers, and I would mm-hmm. say those two for sure. I would say two Undertakers, and I have two Stalkers that I use the most. Nice. So I would, yeah, I would say those. And then for Sidearm, I would just say a Raptor. I use a lot for flex shots. Awesome. Now, Undertaker is one of my favorite discs. What yeah. plastic? Are you you like the ESP, right? Yes, ESP. Nice. Cool. There you go. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, that's pretty cool. Can I ask you, because we had your sister on, Nick, was it two weeks ago? Or a week ago? Yes. I'm <laughs> forgetting now. The, the yeah, season's already blending. So forget, we yeah, exactly. we talked to her and she, you know, she mentioned how like people are gonna get to see the differences between you guys. I'll get to that a little bit more of that in a minute. But is there is there, in your opinion, the fact that you outperformed her this weekend? And I don't know if she's nearby, she's like, you can't you can't like celebrate, but she probably celebrated with you. Let me ask, is there a fun rivalry there? And how do you feel about outperforming your sister this week? I feel like 
I feel like I beat her, but I feel like I didn't beat her because I know she didn't play the way she wanted at all. And seeing the video of her play, I was like, dang, you didn't play good at all. I mean, obviously, rating and score says that. But kind of seeing her play, it's like, shoot, I know the way you can play. And also knowing the way I can play, I feel like this one was, it was a good one, but it was also, it was one of those bad ones because she was on lead card and then kind of not finishing strong the way she wanted to. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like one of those that you can take as motivation, but also for myself, I can take as something good. Like I beat her by one, but so it's still like, well, she didn't play her best. So it wasn't that good. Yeah, exactly. I kind of alluded to this a little bit earlier, but obviously you're new to Discraft. I asked you what your favorite discs were throwing throughout the weekend, but how has it been just pretty much learning a whole new bag, especially with your first year of touring? Has that brought into like some nervousness? Do you feel like you have something to prove in a sense, or has it just been a more of a fun process of, Hey, I get to try out all these new beautiful discs and they're the best looking discs on the market. Yeah. That's, that's been it for me. Exactly. Just trying new discs, trying like really pretty discs, obviously. Um, I feel like learning new discs is another, it's another excitement for me for disc golf because being injured and not playing for two years really. And then jumping into disc craft and trying all these new Frisbees out. It's like, dang, this is a whole new world. It's another spark. It's new discs to learn my new favorites. So I think that's a really cool part to take away from. And I feel like Mason and Val helping me figure out what I'm going to throw or even my boyfriend helping me. Hey, try this, try that. It's like, it's been a crazy year and it's just the beginning. Wow. So, so what was the decision, um, or not the decision, you obviously decided to tour this year. Are you touring full-time? Is that the plan? Yeah, that's the plan. So what was the tipping point for you where you decided that this was the year to do that? What, what came together that helped you make that decision? I feel like last year, finally passing my injury, I kind of like, okay, well, the year being sponsored with Discraft, that's going to be a great start. You sponsor New Year. Why not? Let's just do it. Finally, this is the year to do it. We had opportunities to do it, but never did it. And this year, it was like, okay, well, it's a new year. Val signed another good, good contract. I was like, okay, let's do this. Mason, too, even jumped on Innova for another year. So I thought that was awesome. Yeah, and Mason and Valerie were both able to get their tour series discs. And one, one big takeaway from this weekend is that uh, fourth place, you took home, was it $1,000 $1, from this tournament? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously that's a good chunk of change. What are, for the people who don't really know the touring lifestyle, you're experiencing it now firsthand, your first year doing it. What are some of the big expenses that come out from being on the road now? And I know it's only been maybe a quarter of the season so far, but what do you find is kind of like the most expensive thing? Um, I would say is right now is being hills because I would just say, hotels because we stay there for five to even sometimes seven days a week Mm -hmm. so i would say hotels for sure and to find healthy food that's so hard on tour (laughs) there's no doubt about that especially some hotels don't really have a full kitchen so you're kind of like all right i got a microwave that's what i can do or you're going out to eat every single night and so yeah it's Mm -hmm. definitely i i've experienced that too i remember waco last year we were at a hotel and we had a mini fridge and so pretty much every single meal you're going out to eat and if you don't cash at yeah. the tournament then it's like ooh, that's that's a rough yeah. week <laughs> you know what i mean so, yeah exactly. we're having ramen yeah. tonight baby um yeah, so exactly. so one more question about your sister and it's actually a question about your sister to help difference uh differentiate you for everybody um and there's no way around it when you were both playing innova you you're 
for our all intents and purposes, you look similar to us, like from the out, outside perspective. You play disc golf mm-hmm. at a high level. Um, what is a difference between you that people may not know? Whether it's food, the way you dress, the music genres you like. What is some differences that you can give us to help us kind of give you a persona that we didn't know? I would say everything's similar. Okay. But I'm the quiet one. If we're both on the same card and people are there, Valerie's going to be the first one to talk to everybody. I'll just kind of sit there, sit back. And see what everyone's doing. Myself, I would say she's the most. Okay, so, so she, the Skype. So she's the more talkative one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sky, Skype broke up just a little bit, but to reiterate what we did capture, she's the quieter one, um, and Valerie's the one who's going to go out of her way to introduce herself to everybody on a card. But but you're doing great on a live show. You're not coming across quiet, so you're not shy, is what you're saying. You're just not as outgoing. Yeah, I'd rather just let her take it because if I. I would say something. She's kind of like, hey, well, this and that. And then she kind of like cut me off and she's like, oh, like, go ahead. I'll- <laughs> all right. There you go. So that's awesome. I, I look forward to, are you going to hit all the tour stops, disc golf pro tour and in tees this year? Or what's your plan for as you get later into the season? That's the plan. Yeah. To hit all of them. All right. So Nick, this sounds like they're coming up to MVP. If they're coming up to MVP, we might have to do a little in-studio live session with the Manuhanos. So Block out awesome. the whole week, Nick. Yeah, Block out the whole I was, week. Dude, I, I'm I'm not even getting a practice round at this point <laughs> with how much podcast booking we're doing. But So do you feel like this level of promote performance, obviously you said it was a 7 out of a 10. So do you feel like you're at a point now to where you'll consistently see this a little bit more? Do you think this was a great weekend where things were just being put together? And what kind of goals do you have set out for the year? Did this did this reach a goal of yours? Um, it did. I feel like the rest of the turns of the year, I was trying to shoot for top five, and which mm-hmm. I've obviously gotten. Then once that third round hit, I'm like, well, I can get first. But but I feel like for the rest of the year, it would be top five. I think if I do better than that, that would be really good. First year on tour. That's mm-hmm. what I'm shooting for. Wow. <laughs> I love that. Awesome. Uh, so you were saying, you know, let's talk about that back nine. You were pushing for birdies. You weren't getting them. What was something do you feel that didn't click that back nine? Was it putting? Was it a little shaky? You know, why didn't you get the birdies that you feel like you should have gotten? I would say on my putting for sure. I had putts maybe just outside the circle. I just was hitting like left side change or the band or just a bit low. Just was not connecting, wasn't feeling it, which is really strange because usually my putting carries me, but. Mm-hmm. Not this week. I know it's weird. Putting some weeks is phenomenal. Putting other weeks is, you know, bad when the drives are good. And then when the drives are bad, mm-hmm. the putting is great. It's I've, I've totally felt that at tournaments where I'm like, look, if I can just put myself within 30 feet, I feel like I can get the birdie. But then I'm never putting myself within 30 feet. I'm always like 40, 45 and working yeah. on the circle two putts is different. But yeah, so that's I, because you're not Alexis. Exactly. Totally understand <laughs> it, though. Um Kind of talking about some accolades, though, I just I briefly went on your PDGA page looking up just random stats. But the Victoria Open back in 2018, was that your first mm-hmm. pro win that you had that event? I know you didn't accept cash, yeah. but was that your first pro win? Yes. So yeah, that was the you, first one. You beat Valerie and even better yet, you beat Des Redding at that tournament, yeah. which is and you beat her by like six or seven strokes. So that's pretty incredible. 
And then in that same year, a few months later, you ended up going on to win Am Worlds that year, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're technically, how many world titles do you have? Because you have the Amateur World Championship, and then you have some Junior World Championships as well? Yeah, I have two Junior Worlds and then one M. Gotcha, and then also Doubles World Championship, correct? Yes. Cool. So my research was pretty well. So we're technically <laughs> yeah, talking to a three-time world champion, which is pretty awesome. And then, yeah, you've had tournaments where you've been playing pro, like I said, for a few years now. And you have some pro wins under your belt. You have a lot of amateur wins under the belt. But now finally going out and touring, I guess my question is, is it everything you hoped and dreamed of? You know? Yeah. I feel like it's been good so far. It's only been like week five, but playing week in, week out. I love it. I love going back to back and being that consistent play, like two days being home and then back again on the road practicing and just going at it, which I yeah. enjoy it. I guess technically, what was it from Vegas? You had Vegas Memorial, Waco, mm-hmm. and then Bellin, and then Texas yep. State. So five weeks yep. in a row, you guys competed yep. week in and week out. That's that's pretty insane right there, just in and of itself. Do you have a little break yep. now before going to the next event? No, we have Lone Star Classic, which is next week. We'll leave tomorrow to practice courses. Oh, that's that big B tier that everyone was talking about, right? I think it's yeah. also a USDGC qualifier. And yep, so it'd be a throw. It'd be also, is it technically then a throw pink US women's qualifier? Yeah. Nice. Yep. Awesome. Cool. <laughs> so I got to say, I, I was, I'm loving this interview, but our chat room is also um, complimenting it all. They are raving over the fact that you and your sister could beat Nick and me in a doubles uh, contest. <laughs> and so, uh, Nick, I think it goes without saying, if they're down Challenge for it, accepted. yeah, when they make it up to MVP, which I know you're in Virginia now, but you'll be up here, I'm sure, we will oh, have absolutely. to get out with a camera. We'll have a fun time of it, Nick and Matt versus Alexis and Valerie. That will be great. So if you guys are down for it, Alexis, we would love to do that. So um, I think we've gotten to the place where we want you to be able to plug anybody who's supporting you and give the people who are listening an opportunity to support you, maybe uh, the ways that they can do that. So go ahead and let us know. Sure. Um, of course, I like to thank my family for everything they do for me. Um, all the people back home for all the support, my boyfriend, and I like to thank my sponsors in Discraft Grip. And <laughs> you guys can follow me on Instagram at Alexis1642. Awesome. Well, again, congratulations on your first big tournament of the year, the national tour getting fourth place. We really appreciate you coming on the show tonight. It was definitely easy messaging you and you being able to say, yes, I would love that within 30 seconds. That was pretty incredible. It made my life a lot, a lot stress-free. <laughs> yeah. So we really appreciate it. Yeah. Everyone go follow Alexis on Instagram. Give her a shout out and everything like that. And then in the future, there will probably be definitely ways to support her. So Alexis, we really appreciate you coming on the show tonight. And good luck at the Lone Star Classic this weekend. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. It was fun. Awesome. Cool. We'll Take talk to you again another time. Have a great evening. Thank you. All right. Bye. Peace. See ya. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Alexis Manduano. Nick. I don't mean to embarrass her, but she was sponsored for so long with Innova that in mm-hmm. eh, discraft. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. No, it's definitely, it's got to, I mean, Hey, first year, you're definitely not used to always saying it. And especially, you know, I don't know how many podcasts she's been on, but now she, uh, <laughs> discraft, discraft sponsor player now. So yeah, I don't it, know why, but I have to, I have to randomly thank her because when she joined the Skype room, the quality on my Skype camera 
got a lot better. So for some odd reason, <laughs> Alexis, thank you for that as well. We really appreciate yeah. it. Wow. Now, it was definitely awesome having her on the show. And it's kind of a perfect segue into our next segment before our next guest talking about the FPO division, Matt. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to sound like a broken record because we talked about MPO and we said, wow, look at the parody at the top of the leaderboard. Well, FPO, I feel like I can say once again, yes. We did see, you know, a Paige and Katrina battle at LVC, and we've seen a little bit of Paige here and that, you know, and Katrina. But Nick, once again, remember I was calling out like, hey, where's these FPO players that we thought could do something this year? What happened to Haley um, and, and others, Heather? And then Heather Young came out and did that, right? I mean, it was just like one after another. Now this week, the lead cards looked like this. Rebecca Cox, um, Haley King, Holly Finley, and Jessica Weiss, tell me a time, Nick, where we have seen a lead card that did not have Katrina Allen or Paige Pierce or Sarah Hokum. Um, I'm going, you know, back in the archives a little yeah. bit where n neither or all three of those, however you would say that, are we're not yeah, there. I, and, and that was I round two. I don't know the last time that that was a thing, but it's definitely it's shaping up just like MPO this year. I mean, players are playing well at certain areas and certain players aren't playing well at certain areas. And so, I mean, you're getting this whole mix up throughout both divisions. And honestly, it's really fun to see. And what was cool seeing Rebecca Cox on the second round coverage and even a little bit here and there in the third round coverage was her change in form. She's obviously, you know, changed up her backhand a little bit to further better her game. And obviously so far, I mean, apparently she just started doing it and it seems to be working out so far. So that's a Let pretty pretty great thing to see yeah we'll give some insight into that let's talk about round three so then we saw again this is where so the show notes hold on really quick because you say rebecca cox was on the lead card of the third round yeah sorry but it wasn't it was Haley king <laughs> katrina allen missy gannon and i'm blanking on the fourth player right now <laughs> awesome but it, it, it wasn't rebecca I have to look it up now. Look Sorry. it up. So we've been seeing a lot of parody. And here's the incredible part, Nick. To... It, was, it was Valerie. It was Valerie Manjohan. Okay, awesome. Yeah, we talked yeah, about her so... too much tonight. <laughs> so 11 FPO players were within striking distance in the final round. And what I mean by that is within four strokes of first place. 11 FPO players within striking distance of first place. That is unreal to me in all of my time watching disc golf. Um, I can't like remember a time where it was this blatant that there was a, yeah. the final round was kind of, you can say up in the air. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and, it definitely was for how wooded this course is. And you know, those creeks were all OB in a lot of areas. So double bogeys were pretty easy to get it. It seemed like out there. Um, but yeah, definitely it, it was a battle. I mean, it was a grind all three rounds and even still for both divisions, the MPO, there was players only a couple strokes back of lead for the MPO card. And so to see this in the FPO division where, you know, Waco, there was obviously a blowout win. Belton was close, but then Vegas was close, but it was still blowout compared to third and fourth place to have 11 different players in the FPO division fighting for that chance. Only four strokes back at least, you know, that's pretty awesome. That's good disc golf to watch. Yeah, I I have to say, like, I found myself, and I know I've talked about this before, that it's not as exciting for me to see a runaway. Like, I don't get pumped up. Like, I have to sit down and watch this. But when there's 11 mm -hmm. players and you know that it's not Paige Pierce at the top, I know it sounds funny, but it adds to the excitement because, because Paige could make a run. Like, so it's like mm -hmm. all of these parts are in there. 
Um, but Haley King takes it down. So let's talk about that. She averaged 967 rated golf. Now, does that sound super high? It does not, assuming that, you know, Paige Pierce is a 996 rated player, um, is there. It doesn't sound like it's high enough maybe to perform to win, but she finished seven under par, three-stroke mm-hmm. victory, which is kind of distorted a little bit just for the fact that towards the end she faltered a little bit. But going yeah. through that round, she had a significant lead. Um, and we've been asking what's up with her. She's been saying stuff on social media, like either she's thinking of stuff that's happening off the course, her mindset or mental mm-hmm. game wasn't right. A uh, little bit of complaints about maybe an ankle injury. And then she comes out in this final round and just really takes off strong in the final round. And then yeah. she takes it down. And in her player interview, this stood out to me. She said the words like, I'm here. That's what's one phrase. I'm here. Mm-hmm. Like, as in like, look. And then two, she said, this is the first real one. This tournament, Nick, she won the Disc Golf Pro yeah. Tour Championship. But apparently, and I mean, I felt similarly, but apparently she also felt like it wasn't a quote unquote real one. So what's your takeaway with this win here for her? I I mean, I think it's an amazing thing. We've said it almost every single week. I know I've definitely said it almost every single week is that, you know, I expect to see Haley King at the top. Honestly, she's got incredible form. She's incredibly good on the putting green. It doesn't matter if it's 50 feet out or, you know, 10 feet out. She's just an incredible putter all around. And so I think this is just a first of many big wins for Haley's career. Uh, I think it's it's very easy to say that, to be honest. She's just an, an awesome player. And um, I think for her to get this win at a time where, you know, every single great player was there, it was a three-round legitimate national tour tournament. I know the, you know, Disc Golf Pro Tour was obviously a tournament, but she only had to play two rounds to win it, I think. She won it in a playoff, which is incredible. But it's good to see her come out with this big win. Uh, She said, you know, super thanks to her family for the support. Obviously she's got some stuff going on in the real world at the moment. So for her to kind of rise above that, it was just, it was great to see. I love seeing her name back up on the leaderboard and she's just a fun disc golfer to watch. Like I said, anywhere in the putting green, it's fun to watch her. It just looks so effortless. I mean, I think she has the best putting stroke in the FPO division. I don't think that's a hot take, Nick. That was too easy. No, (laughs) no, I don't think so. Also, uh, Every now and then, I think it's fun to bring in our, our chat room just a little bit. And I, I call out, you know, Hannah Macbeth. She's in the chat. And Nick, she called you out. She says, if you say, and I, I don't know how to read it exactly, but Mandu uh, Jahano or something. She's like, if you say that one more time, she says, she's, I thought I said, she's locking you. No, Mandu Jahano. Okay. She's locking you out. That's it. I thought I said it right. She's locking you out. I probably said it wrong. You're locked out now. Yeah. Mandu Jahano. Cool. Good luck to them while they're stuck in traffic. We're entertaining them. So cool. Um, Let's move on. Holly Finley. Sorry. This is, yeah, this is a name that you have seen. Um, You've, you know, if you, well, I guess maybe you don't know. She was an international model. She took disc golf and said, this is what I would like to do. Um, I don't want to say in her spare time, she's made it her career along with, I'm, I, we'll have to have her on. We tried to get her on tonight along with her modeling career. Now she has always performed at, I would say above average FPO or maybe average FPO is how I'm thinking of it. Um, she's right there in that middle. Usually she can perform well. She loves the woods. That's one thing I know about her. She loves the woods. She likes throwing the lighter weight plastic, a lot of 150 plastic. 
Um, but she came out here. She shot well in the woods, enough to get second place. Um, I would love to get her on for an interview to be able to just pick her brain a little bit about yeah. what it is about the woods that helps her excel. Um, I know there are players who feel like it helps them shape lines and they don't have the extra distance, but they feel like they can throw the lines. And that's probably what it is for her. But did you take anything away from this uh, second place victory for her? Because it was a come behind second place. Yeah, exactly. I mean, only finishing three strokes off the lead. She was averaging 958, 28 points above her player rating. And so obviously consistently she was playing great this week. And it really was. It was 98% of a wooded course, which was, you know, incredible to see, fun to watch. And from what I've heard, she's originally from Tennessee, lives in Wisconsin now. And so I've actually had the pleasure of playing a few holes with her during practice rounds. I think last year at GMC and then this year, a little bit before the Waco tournament, we played a couple of holes together, a couple of us. And so she she'll say it every single time. She loves woods golf. She loves playing woods golf. And I think that's kind of how she grew up playing disc golf. So, you know, honestly, kudos to her. That's incredible to see. We've obviously, we know her name, but it's cool to see her make that push, especially she, you know, she was in contention to win it. Did you notice, I've noticed it. Anytime she gets like a player interview, she brings, first of all, her Tennessee uh, accent. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then it just is my perception that she's doing it as if she was like, I don't want to say in a pageant, but she's very, it comes across very formal. And um, it's just something I love the personas and the characters that we have in disc golf. Like we don't have, that's, that would be an interesting conversation. Who's the most boring disc golfer. And it's hard to answer because, and I'm getting off topic. Like you might go right to like Calvin, but he's not boring. He he actually, yeah, he definitely is. So like, it's hard to pick, I think boring would mean we don't know about you. So anyways, that's a whole nother topic for another time. Rebecca Cox. We'll we'll have to, we'll start a list. Rebecca Cox, as we get ready to wrap up FPO, almost. uh, She finished in third place. All right. Now she started out super hot tournament. Like, um, I think I looked at it was six down. And for FPO, that was significant. I think that was a four stroke lead just about. Um, She kind of squandered it. I'll say squandered in the sense that she gave up that many um, in round two, was able to perform at a decent enough level to be able to take third place. But I will say, and you alluded to this already, Nick, mm-hmm. I had heard that she had worked on her form and in an, in an, eh, <laughs> I'll get it out eventually, in an interview, she said that it's because she wants the longevity of being able to play disc golf without injury. Now, yeah. One thing, and I'm just going to be honest, one thing that I've noticed about her in all the seasons past is like, wow, like your arm is like breaking off because she would have this yeah. like slingshot as in like a, it looked like a flopping arm that, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to demonstrate like on camera, like her arm would be like here and then she, her body would, her whole body would just turn. Um, yeah. she, she never really reached back. It was kind of, her body was very turning <laughs> stiff in a sense of it just, it didn't, it, it worked for a while, but there's only, oh, so far that you can go with form like that in a sense. But and that, so, exactly. yeah, if she's talked about it, she wants to play the sport for a long time that she needed to change that up. And I mean, I think. What? Had round two gone a little bit better for her? Obviously, that's yes. a whole different conversation we'd be having right now, potentially. You know, I, that's that's all it took was one round at this tournament. Man. She finished third place. So. If she 
So she performed second round, like significant, I'm just going to say significantly bad. Uh, that's obviously relative, you know, or whatever. But the idea is, had she played even just like what she did for the last round, not even as good as she did the first round, she would have won. If she, but, but the point is she's playing so much better. And when I saw her form for the first time this year, which was at this event, she was teeing off. I literally had my jaw drop at, Wow. That is yeah. incredibly, in, like, I want to say it with an emphasis, incredibly impressive to mm -hmm. be able to take your form as drastic as it was and to now actually have a form that looks like, I, I want to use the word normal, but like good, mm -hmm. to go from the extreme to that. How much work is that? Like, I, I don't even know how much work that is. That's like, that's like yeah, taking a habit out of your brain and changing it. Well, Matt, maybe we'll try it with you. <laughs> we'll just completely rework your form. See what happens I, with it. No, I, I was waiting for I you to go there. I think I need it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, believe me, I, if, as you know, coming from someone who's changed their form many of times in the sense of like trying to work on different things, whether it's becoming more accurate or trying to gain more distance, doing that is a, it's a very stressful period because during your practice rounds, you're playing awful and then you got to go and compete at a tournament. And she obviously, she does it for a living. And so for her to be able to have that mindset of, I'm going to change up my form completely because I know in the long run, it's going to make me a better player. And someone who's also doing this in a sense is, you know, Brody has talked many times that like he still needs to figure out his form and change it up a little bit. And so he's doing that while week in and week out playing tournaments. And so both of them, and especially in Rebecca's case, like they, there's obviously an added stress to it. So for her to come out and get this kind of momentum on her side, hopefully she's feeling confident walking away from this tournament. I know she's probably disappointed with the third place finish, but at the same time, there's a lot of good things that came about from it. Yeah. I'm just going to say it again. Impressive Rebecca Cox. I don't think you listen to our show, but if you do, or someone wants to send it over yeah. to her, um, we would love to have her on the show to discuss that just incredible um, transformation. And I think it's just going to keep yeah. getting better. Um, all right, Nick, we're going to wrap up the last four minutes here. Before yeah, we bring in our next guest, which would be Gary Gurthy. But this is a significant yeah. topic. So to do it in four minutes, people are going to yeah, be we're like, it, blow through it, but people are going to say it's it, impossible. But here we go. We're from Massachusetts. We're fast talkers. I where we is Paige Pierce? Not where is she now? <laughs> where was, where was Paige Pierce? Um, well, she was in Tyler, Texas, playing an event <laughs> called the Texas State Championship. But she no, played, she, right? Um, she played, yeah. She did play. And uh, so. She obviously she wasn't in the top two cards for the event. She averaged nine thirty six golf, which whoa is, whoa, yeah, which is different because obviously that's sixty points for below her, her player rating. For her, can we say for her that's bad? Yeah, like bad. Yeah, that's like me shooting think, like eight seventy. I think any player <laughs> in the world if they shot sixty points below their rating, they're gonna say, yeah, believe me, that was awful. And there's a lot of bad things that probably happened. So finishing eleventh place, four of a par. 906 was the lowest rated round that she had and at Waco she finished fifth place averaging 960 golf so still had one really bad round though at 908 and um so obviously it's you know it's different compared to what we saw at the beginning of the year you know we saw the really dominant page on a big course we saw the big throws we saw the big putts and everything like that and now we've kind of slowly transitioned into more of a technical side of things and so I'm wondering if, you know, maybe the mindset is go for everything, you know, maybe 
try to birdie every single hole because she feels like, look, she's this much of a better player than everyone else. Maybe she feels like she still needs to prove that week in and week out with aggressive play style. I, I, you're saying it as good as I can say yeah. it. I feel like her mindset, and this, have we heard this from her? And I think we've interpreted it from her other interviews in the past years. Uh, she's an aggressive player. Um, so to come out and yeah, the mindset of go for everything. Here's the interesting part with, with, and we've said parody, but with the competition level coming up as high as it is in FPO, mm-hmm. I, there has to be a conversation, at least in her mind, it, maybe we'll see, this is two events in a row for her with rate with, with ratings, um, from rounds being as low as nine Oh six and nine Oh eight in the last two yeah. events. Like again, that could be just a bad round, but something's telling me the competition level pressure is getting not into her head, but that the pressure again, not the pressure, the competition level is keeping up with her more than they used to. And so she doesn't have that leeway to be as aggressive now on shots where it makes sense not to just go for it. It's like, okay, I'm going to lay up to the corner, even though I know I could get to the basket because when you don't accomplish that and now your competition's only two back, that exactly and so and then she gets finds herself either getting behind and keeping that mindset and then continuing yeah. to get behind when it's not working i wonder if we're gonna have to see a change out of her and becoming more of and i'm gonna say it in nate sexton if you're listening i'm sorry i don't mean it negatively <laughs> sexton golf like to the I point think, making those choices so much yeah i think we've said sexton golf so much that it's really it's not an insult at this point it's because nate knows <laughs> what sex and golf is and it's just it's playing more safe obviously it's playing more conservative but in a lot of different areas where he knows hey i can make that shot but i have a much better chance of playing it safe and i'm either going to gain a stroke because someone else made a mistake or i might lose a stroke because someone else made a great shot or you you pretty much go even on the hole i mean i think that's you know where disc golf's at right now and a lot of these courses this week is a little bit different but a lot of courses lately have not had too much scoring separation maybe a stroke here and there so, yeah, I think I, I think the way that the comp, I'm the not, the I'm not counting her out. The FPO division, yeah, no, absolutely I, not. But here's but with but, the way yeah. players are finally starting to come up, and with how with the variety of courses that we have, obviously, if it's a wide open course, like when they get to Jonesboro, I'm gonna put Paige in my top three without a doubt because that's a course where the long distance throw really helps out. But on these more technical wooded courses, you're starting to see players who are able to perform very well at those courses. So, yeah, I think that's definitely the one takeaway from it. And also, if there's any record being kept of previous seasons, she has struggled. I'm going to use the word struggles, and she's talked about it. She's struggled early on in the seasons in previous years where uh, whether she said she wasn't ready. Now, she came out pretty strong at the first event, obviously. But Mm -hmm. to see these two struggles, um, it just tells me that She's got, she's a, she's a competitor. She loves competition. She likes learning. She likes getting better. Um, I, I don't have any real concerns here, but to see, you know, those low rounds, I'll just say it again. Um, where was she? <laughs> Hopefully she's figuring that out because we want to see her competing with the best at the top again. And Nick wrap this up. What do you think about her being the first FPO to get to a thousand? Is it going to happen now with these low, 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 low rounds that just came in? I haven't looked at the whole month of March on what the ratings could be, but I'm assuming with these last few tournaments that I don't think I either think she'll stay stagnant over at 996 at the moment, or she will 
potentially drop, but I don't. This next update, I don't think she's going to hit the thousand mark. But hopefully she does, because that'd be incredible for the sport and everything about it. Yeah, I agree. All right, man. So we've made it to this point in the show where we're bringing on a guest who is going to be a fan favorite for sure. We have him in the green room. It took me uh, all but two seconds to get get him in. And uh, we're going to welcome him right now. Um, His name is Garrett Gerthy. Garrett Gerthy, super far distance thrower, jerky making, sonic throwing. (laughs) How's it going, Garrett? Pretty good. Sorry for the terrible uh, landscape I got here, but I had to drive to get a little bit better service. So it's actually it's not it's definitely not too bad all right what's up nick how's it going man what's up homie how you doing oh pretty good you know just had a little bag of jerky before the show to get things going good of course there you go. You i did. wish i had a bag right now fill me up well right before the show to be clear dude i'll be here to send you some after the show i'll have my guys send you some yeah my man i appreciate so to it. be clear yeah. they did your guy did send the nick and matt show jerky but i hogged it all because now i'm in massachusetts <laughs> And Nick is down in Virginia. So like, eh, I could save some and we'll talk about that a little bit more later, but I don't think (laughs) I'm laughing because I don't think I'm going to have any to save. (laughs) So, okay, let's, let's get into it here. Uh, You had a great, great finish Garrett at Texas States. You tied for fifth place. You averaged 1,038 rated golf um, finishing 18 under par. This is your second best finish this year. Um, after, and I don't mean to be negative about it, but what could have been observed as a decline over the last two events. So you started out fourth place at LVC. You kind of played a little, um, no pun on play on words here, but a little subpar, um, in the last two events, probably not what you wanted to, but then you came out here and you just kind of, I don't want to use the word killed it. I want you to describe it. Um, how do you feel that, that you played there? Uh, this tournament, I kind of gave myself not many expectations, but to go out there and, uh, you know, try to play my best because the tree kicks are going to happen. You're going to have bad spots. And uh, with me being a vet to the sport, I feel like I had an advantage over most. So, um, you know, doing trick shots over the course of my, you know, 17 years of being professional kind of made me succeed through the weekend. I didn't expect to do as well as I did, quite frankly, but uh, I was really happy with the results with the top five finish for being in the woods. That's a pretty happy double G, if you ask well, me. Yeah, that definitely, because you're obviously, you're known for your distance drives, and there's there's no doubt about it. I mean, people are, you, you're one of the furthest distance throwers, and especially when it comes to golf distance, and you've proven that week in and week out on coverage. But do you think people out there in the world still underestimate the technical shots that you have? Because there's another thing that people say is that you're one of the best rock throwers in the game you throw it incredibly well i don't know which ones exactly you throw but you're also you were the eighth most accurate considering the fairway hits this last weekend so do you think people still really underestimate your ability to play those technical shots uh i i think so maybe but you know that's okay if someone underestimates me a little bit and i'm not mad at him for that but uh you know i grew up playing in wooded golfs through the pines here in florida so uh, watching Climo Lace Lines and Johnny McRae, just they used to spank my butt and watching them really lace lines over the over my career really made me a better player. Uh, I mean, Ken Climo, I would say hands down was one of the best rock throwers of all time. And if he's still out on the course, I guarantee you, if, he, if you're playing a rock round, he, he might have you for sure all day. So. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be a cool challenge to see on youtube one day garrett versus kenny in the woods <laughs> rocks think, only so he's got that great putt 
Yeah. Uh, I need to go to Kenny putt camp here soon and uh, get that putt super dialed for, for the season to come. So oh, absolutely. Uh, I'm struggling a little bit, but uh, I'm working through the kinks like anybody else with a part of their game. So I'm trying to relax whenever I can and still get the putting reps in. So, you know, I'm working on it. And, uh, you know, like I said, champ's one of the best rock throwers of all time. <laughs> awesome. Absolutely. So no Udisk, Udisk gives us a pretty cool stat nowadays called, um, what is it, strokes gained, okay? So I don't know if you've checked that out, but you had a very, very high strokes gained from T to green, and that was almost 19 and a half strokes against the field. And I'm not exactly sure the T to green, how that plays, but it, you had high fairway hits. I think it means green and regulation, but what do you think was the highest performing part of your game this week and that helps you do that uh with me lacking with my putt i did score a lot by parking the holes so my accuracy has been pretty consistent over uh over the course of the season so far so uh with me being able to get that disc down the fairway you know i was even impressed on some of the shots i threw this weekend i'm not much of a sidearm thrower but it really required a demanding sidearm so uh you know, Ricky won and he won with stride. So with that being said, it required a really nice sidearm with a complimentary backhand. And, you know, if I had a little bit more of both of the putting and the sidearm, I think I would have had a little bit better of a chance. No, absolutely. Well, so speaking of that, with the competition, we've said this so many times at this point, but the competition is obviously getting better and better each year. And I think for a couple of years, you were kind of off the scene a little bit. But what are you doing now that you're back? You're touring full time. You got the jerky business going and everything like that. What are you doing to ensure that you stay in the conversation week in and week out? Because obviously you got an incredible back end. So now are you working more towards that woods game? Are you focusing more on the putting practice and everything like that? I would say more towards the putting practice mm -hmm. uh, I'm towards that in the sidearm game, because everyone that's winning these tournaments have, like I said, a complimentary sidearm to four, uh, sidearm to backhand. Um, uh, you know, Paul, Ricky, Eagle, they're all winning these tournaments and they have both. They have the putt, they have the backhand and they have the forehand. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's other winners out there as well. I'm not mentioning right now, forgive me, but, uh, you know, it, it is a struggle to always maintain a good practice while you're on the road, because sometimes you're a little bit behind and sometimes you want to relax for a day or two, but it's really a grind. This is the sixth tournament in a row that I've played. Mm -hmm. And all the way up to nine in a row going week to week without a stop. So it is nice to have a nice little break. But at the same time, um, you got to get that practice in and get those reps in every day. So, Man, you have been an inspiration to so many players um, through your disc throwing abilities. Uh, that recent commercial that you had or that advertisement with the uh, racing drone, the FPV drone, um, I, mm. I mm -hmm. like flying drones and I typically do the cinematic, but I've dabbled in the FPV. I enjoy that. And when I watched that scene, Garrett, I said out loud, that has to be the best disc golf drone coverage that has been recorded to date. Very cool shots. Um, how, yeah. was that fun? Was that fun flying, uh, throwing for a drone? First off, shout out to Carlton Scioti for you know flying that thing it, it it really takes a lot of work to fly one of those high speed drones and uh for him to capture some of the footage he did was quite amazing we flew him out uh double g craft jerky flew him out from arkansas to uh stockton california 
where OTB Dis uh, Open is going to be this year. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's the course that it took place on. And we're very thankful for them for letting us use their property. So shout out to OTB. Thank you very much. Um, the Carlton Skyote flies this drone with so much skill. It's insane. Like we got some disc going up in flight and he was almost so close where he was like skipping off of my disc whenever he was flying. But uh, we're, we're going to be working with him soon again, doing some more cool stuff. But uh, we can't really share that right now. But we got some really cool stuff in the works. And can I? That's add- always one of my like one of my least favorite things to hear because they hype you up so much on like these future collabs going on and all this like big news. And then you're like, oh, now I got to wait a couple weeks or now I got to <laughs> wait a few months. And so it's funny, but it's it's very exciting to hear that there are more incredible things in the works. Matt and I did a video last year just for fun out of this park. And we were trying to do some drone flying where we would just throw a drive <laughs> and pretty much just fly the drone straight and then fly it back. So that that's my only experience actually using a drone at this point, but uh, my brother loves them. And, uh, so it's, it's pretty cool. It was definitely, it was a very fun commercial to watch. Yeah. And what was that commercial for? I, 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 I want to say I was, I was double G craft jerky. Am I wrong? That's it. All right. So yeah, so let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, people following it on social media, or really, I guess that's probably the biggest way, or seeing you out on tour, they're going to see that you enjoy some, you you like cooking meat, whether it's smoked or barbecued or or however you're preparing it um, on the road even. You'll have to tell us about that, how you're doing that on the road. Um, but you recently started up a jerky brand called Double G Craft Jerky. Can you tell us about how that came to be, maybe where the vision was and how it got to where it is right now? Yeah, of course. Well, ever since I was about 15 or 16, I started making my own beef jerky whenever I had access to my job at the bowling alley. So uh, we had a meat slicer, we had a walk-in fridge, we had tubs to marinate stuff in. So uh, I had a really inspiring chef that I worked with that wasn't just like your typical bowling alley food. It was more like restaurant style food. So uh, you know, he kind of helped me get on the right line of how things work and marinades. So my first batch of jerky I made by myself, I kind of nailed it. So ever since I was 16, I traveled with my dehydrator everywhere, just making my own personal batch of beef jerky. So once I started coming back on the tour, I obviously brought my dehydrator with me and my buddies, of course, on the on the course. They wanted to share the snack with me, and I, of course, shared because I love sharing and uh, mm-hmm. letting people taste food. Is that That's like one of the best things on earth is getting a reaction on people liking your food. So uh, I shared it with some players on tour and um, some of my friends back home. And I had a couple friends back home that said, man, why aren't you selling this like to everybody? So they got with me and. Uh, my my buddy Ted and my buddy Jim, we started a business together, and um, we we reached out to the right companies, and they're they're actually they're bagging it for us and everything. It's my recipes, but with me being on the road, I can't really make my own personal batch jerky. Oh man! On the road. <laughs> We've got it getting pumped up out of California. We're, we're using really high meat, high quality meats. We're using beef brisket, which a lot of people don't know. But if they're watching the show, they can know uh, rather nice. than your typical scrap meats that 
other companies might use. So I'm not talking or dogging any other company, but you know, we a high quality meat. So everyone's been loving it so far. And we actually started double G children's foundation when we started the company as well. So part of each uh, sale goes to uh, the double G children's foundation to help kids start disc golf or get, get started to disc golf, or if they need gear for disc golf or a basket, we're going to start donating to families in need that actually need gear to, you know, get them in the right direction. Because whenever I was a kid, I, I, I was, I came from a poor background and uh, I had a lot of families help me along the way. So it's time for me to give back. So uh, it's very, very cool to hear. And it's kind of like, it's very humbling to hear where someone in an opportunity like yourself has created what in a sense, honestly, kind of changed the disc golf world when it came to the pros. Cause you were giving it out left and right. Everyone was loving it. A lot of people are supporting it. I really liked it. I tried someone I was at in Vegas. You do have the four flavors, the original, the teriyaki garlic lover's dream and the hot boom sauce. I don't know if you have more Nick, than that now, but Nick, I have, I have with me. Oh, probably the hot boom sauce. No, no okay. Look, I do have, okay. I'm just going to do this for the now people listening and you don't like the sound of chewing. I'm very sorry. But if you're watching and you don't like the sound or the view of somebody chewing, I'm sorry. But I'm going to tell you how this tastes live. This is a piece of teriyaki. Now, let's go. Yeah, that's my that's my favorite. Explain what you were going for, uh, Garrett, with the teriyaki. What were you going for with this this um, flavor? The teriyaki I wanted to have as my sweet flavor. All my other ones are a little bit more savory on the savory side or spicy side. So I wanted teriyaki to have a little bit more sweetness than the others. So if they did buy multiple bags and they felt like one was spicy, they open up the bag of teriyaki and it kind of settles the mood a little bit on the heatness. So for the listeners and the viewers, teriyaki is probably straight up the best. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to call it a plain flavor. It's teriyaki. But it's got to be straight up the best teriyaki. And I'm not saying this because Garrett's sitting on camera with me. <laughs> I, in fact, gave a package. I have four boys, uh, 11 and younger, and I have a wife. And they tried a piece. And I'm not joking when they said, this is amazing. This is incredible. These are quotes. This is so good. And, in fact, my two-year-old was coming no over. Way. Yes, my two-year-old was coming over for jerky. And he kept looking at the package and saying, bacon. Bacon. <laughs> he he looked like bacon to him and he tried it and he's I have a video, I can send it to you. He he's two years old and he uses his two front teeth and he rips a piece off and he smiles. So Yes. So good. You? So good. But I just I'm, pulled out the garlic lovers. Explain this one. What'd you do for this? Garlic garlic lovers, that's one of my favorites personally. I I did throw a little bit of pepper in there to kind of set settle down the, the garlic because uh you know, the garlic can be a little overwhelming on the breath a little bit, but I feel like the pepper kind of tames it down a little bit. But uh, the garlic is just hands down my favorite on and off the course. If I had one all time favorite, I'm, I'm eating garlic lovers all day just because it gives you enough, just that little enough of the pepper heat on the course to not like make you want to drink a whole bottle of water. Now, that hot boom sauce, on the other hand, you're going to want to chug about half of your water. <laughs> let me let me go real quick with the boom sauce. I'm going to go full screen here. This, okay. and they should be able to see it. This, my friends, is a hot pepper flaked piece of jerky um, that, honestly, I've had it before now. And I'm going to do it now. And I'm hopefully not going to need a drink of water. If you like hot jerky, 
and I'm going to let you explain it. But if you like spicy jerky, this is not what you would call insane. But we gave it right. to we gave it to Simon. He was doing a live commentary feed uh, for the Pro Tour, and I was producing. And I said, "Here, have a piece of this." And he started chewing on his face, started turning red. So it, if it's not your <laughs> thing, it's not your thing. But if you like spicy, you are going to love this. So go ahead and explain what you're going for with that. So with the hot boom sauce, I kind of wanted to make it something with a little bit of sweetness before you actually take down that whole piece of jerky. Because if you if you taste it, there's a little bit of that sweetness that I can't tell you that it is. I'm tasting but it right the, now. <laughs> it kind of and later it's like a slow creep but uh i don't think it's overwhelming if i had a spice level on a scale of one to ten i'm putting that in a six yeah so, see that 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 six to me is like 600 I'm, I'm the biggest wimp when it comes to spicy food so I, i'm gonna stick to the teriyaki i'm good with that I, I i would try the garlic lover's dream the way you guys made it sound it sounds pretty good it doesn't sound too too bad but I'm over here now sitting in my own studio and, you know, Matt's over there just Every- munching on some beef jerky. Must be nice. The live chat. Uh- yeah, the, so let me explain. The live chat saying they're so hungry right now. They're running to the store. They got to get some wannabe GG jerky. But let's tell them, how can they get yeah. their own uh, double G uh, craft jerky? Yeah, head on over to doublegjerky.com. It's pretty simple. We got four flavors. If you want to become a wholesaler as well, there's a wholesale button uh requirements to be a wholesaler you need 25 bags of one flavor um up to 100 or whatever you want to order but uh if if you are a brick and mortar we 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 uh, offer a the 100 pack starter pack and that's 25 of each flavor and um like i said double g jerky.com we got original we got garlic lovers we got hot boom sauce and we got teriyaki and we got peppered on the way. So uh, for all you peppered fans, stay tuned. Peppered's coming soon. Uh, we also got some good news. I've been working with Paul Macbeth on a collab. He's going to be on the original bag of jerky. And we're going to make him a special bag. I can't show you yet, but stay tuned. He's going to be on here. And uh, he's going to be my first disc golfer on a collab with a bag of beef jerky with me so i'm pretty Very excited. cool me and paul go way back when i first did my traveling i was in my uh 2000 ford mustang it was me paul Macbeth, john Tompkins, and uh tommy ekman four people in my mustang traveling around for like a year and uh oh the times were so good and you know the memories were great and i'll always remember them and uh, hats off to Paul for, you know, working with me and working with our foundations together and his new foundation. So we're hoping to grow together and through disc golf, we're going to keep growing the sport. And, you know, if he's not winning the world championship, hopefully <laughs> I am. So we're going to keep growing the sport all in all. And, you know, we're all here for disc golf and you got to love that. Exactly. Two incredible things. The Garrett Gurthy Children's Foundation coming about and then the Paul Macbeth Foundation. People will go out, support both of those. Supporting Garrett helps support the Children's Foundation and then supporting the future Paul Macbeth collabed original beef jerky is also going to put proceeds toward the Paul Macbeth Foundation. So two incredible opportunities to really help out in the disc golf community and honestly outside of the disc golf community at this point. 
So check it out. That's it's very, very humbling and very cool to hear about all this and mm. to kind of see it in fruition is really cool. I love seeing stuff start out and then just slowly build up. And I remember actually today, Paul had texted me. He said, Hey, if you can't bring this up. And when he said that you guys were working with your children's foundation and his foundation, it, it's just, it's a very happy moment Yeah. where sure. times, you know, obviously over the last year, year and a half times haven't been incredible with everything going on right now. So to be able to have these little happy moments go on, that's just a huge kudos to you. Huge kudos to Paul as well. Thanks, Nick. And yeah, thank you, Paul. Appreciate you, man. So in wrapping up, I'm trying so hard to be a good host and not eat the pile of jerky I just created next to me. I will say it one more time. <laughs> I will say it one more time. It was, it, I travel quite a bit, not as much as you, Garrett, not as much as the disc golfer, but I travel quite a bit and I'm always stopping at these rest stops and I'm like, oh, I want a piece of jerky. I get it. It's too salty. It's too whatever. Like it doesn't, it's just like, it's hard to eat sometimes. You're like, yeah, that was good for one piece. Maybe this. Why do you think? with my own dehydrator <laughs> <laughs> I make uh, everything perfect the way you like it i would cons right. i would consider it because I'm, I'm kind of so just tell us real quick before you go um what's your what's your favorite meat besides jerky obviously jerky is great because you can have it on the road with you but like when you're cooking up something is it like a uh i don't know what what is it or tenderloins my go-to i make it perfect every time uh, also, I'm a big fan of making a little tri-tip on the smoker, um, you know, reverse sear it. You know, I, I, I like to thank my friend, Chef Greg Mueller uh, from RecTech Grills. He, he's actually a guy that I follow on Instagram. If you can, follow him or um, RecTech Grills. They, they have amazing tips for smoking meats and everything. I, I owe them a lot of tips for that. And, uh, you know, I follow them just like any YouTube video and smoke it is just as good as anybody else. <clears throat> Very totally. Cool. Now, you mentioned just a minute ago before we let you go, uh, we'll wrap it up with a little bit of disc golf talk again. The meat is great. Go out and buy it. But you mentioned if Paul's not winning another world championship, hopefully you are. Can I ask, because I did not do research on this. Uh, what is do you know your best finish at a pro world championship? Do you know or, or the range? What, what do you think? I would say ninth or okay. 12th okay. at range. Okay. Do you feel like, it, well, we already told you, <laughs> our perspective is it's not getting easier. Um, do you feel like, you know, it's out there for you? Is that still your dream and your vision to go out there and perform high enough to win worlds? Oh, definitely. I think I have the range of the shots. Uh, if I need a little tune up on my sidearm, that's cool. But, once I figure out this darn putting thing, it's on, you know, I, I got to make a few putts out, outside of circle, you know, in, in circle two, where these players are just, they got this nice spin putt where I don't mm -hmm. really have that right now. So, like I said, I'm going to be working and digging because I'm not giving up until, you know, I, if I'm a master, I'm still going to be trying after it, you know, <laughs> even the master championship, I'm still going to be chasing that championship, man. Yep that's what we live for that's what we're here for and you know i know each and every single disc golfer that's touring is going to say the same thing that they that they have it in them so yep. uh, i'm not i'm not going to back down and uh I'm, I'm learning every day just like anyone else should and and, uh, and before we let yeah. you go too i want you to know i bag two garrett girthy sonics it's a regular staple in my he bag. does he does <laughs> 
And I have gotten people to go, really? And then they go out and try to buy one because they think it's so great. It's a great disc that you've promoted. Um, I hope that that's supporting you well. Um, is there any way for people to get those? Are those coming out again? What discs will support you? What, where should they go to support you with purchase besides jerky? <laughs> uh, as of right now, infinite Discs has got some discs up for me. Um, the swirly Esplanade emperors, if you head on over to infinite Discs, they have some Innova. my tour series. This is right around the corner and I can't spill the beans on that one yet. So stay tuned. That's going to be dropping very soon. Um, Gorilla Disc Golf, they have some uh, shirts and discs online that uh, sales help benefit me while I'm traveling. Uh, end Zone Quick Sticks, if you need disc retrieval tool, LaVon Wolf with End Zone Quick Stick, you know, check them out. You know, thanks for all the support, everybody. I know I'm missing some people, but uh, T-Box Socks, they're doing a lot with disc golf. They're they're really rad, and they, they keep nice, fresh socks on my feet, so... Very cool. Um, and one can, more time, one more time, shout out your jerky website and everything. Where can the people buy the jerky? If you want some double G craft jerky, head on over to doublegjerky.com. Grab four flavors, grab eight, grab 12, share with your friends. I, I can guarantee it's really good. But uh, I love hearing your feedback. So that's the only way we can continue to grow and make things better. So if there's something that's not quite right, Feel free to email us. Let us know your feedback. It'll be really appreciated. And for the people who not might not follow you right now on Instagram or Facebook, wherever you post the most, kind of your up to dates, you know, what's going on in life, what's going on with the jerky stuff, where can everyone find you? Where can the disc golfers go? Yep. On Instagram, you can find me at Garrett Gerthy or on Facebook at Garrett Gerthy. Um, I got a Garrett Gerthy double G fan page on, on Facebook. I don't do much with that right now that's in the works to be doing more. Uh, I have a double G craft jerky Instagram page. So feel free to like and follow me on there and uh, make sure you like foundation disc golf and uh, follow the Nick and uh, Nick and Matt show. We have, we really appreciate you having me on. It's, it's been a blessing, dude. It's been very, very fun. We appreciate how easy it was to actually, you know, lock it in, get a time slot and everything like that. Your internet has been great. You know, it's all very few things that to everyone else might not mean a lot, but to us from the Nick and Matt show, it, it really does mean a lot. So we really appreciate you coming on the show. Hey, no problem. Any, anytime guys, Nick, Matt, I appreciate you guys and, uh, love, love staying tuned to, to your show. Quit. Wow. That means Take a lot. Easy, Have a good evening, man. Bye. <laughs> all right, everybody. That was Garrett Gerthy. Um, amazing. Amazing individual. In fact, you had people um, in the chats being like, wow, he seems like a really cool dude. I need to go out and buy some jerky or get some Sonics or Emperors or whatever. Uh, really, really cool. And I'm not I'm not making this up, Nick. And I know you're hungry and you're jealous over there. <laughs> yeah, no, I got to figure out this we, virtual jerky. We'll make virtual jerky. It was yeah. like it was hitting Three the spot, in. like amazing. I, I'm over here, like seriously. I'm just gonna put them away yeah. for now because I'll eat them after when I'm putting up the show. But, anyways, exactly. no, it, <laughs> great interview. You no, know, not just saying it, but it was really good jerky. I think I had tried the garlic one, and then I definitely had the teriyaki one because almost anything teriyaki I absolutely love. So, How about people, please go check it out. Go on to the Macbeth. website. It's supporting incredible causes as well as you know supporting a disc golfer who 
is heading in the right direction you know, with the platform that he has and developing the Children's Foundation, everything like that. Very awesome. Be on the lookout for the Paul Macbeth collab as well to support the Paul Macbeth um, Foundation. Yeah, Nick, people in the chat tonight, they're doing some fire comments. It's great. They said, and I hope Paul's listening. I know Hannah was listening earlier, but the Paul Macbeth jerky, it needs to be goat jerky. Yeah, <laughs> just some sort of goat, <laughs> goat, goat jerky. <laughs> All right, Makes total sense. Okay, so we're moving on out of the conversation with our interviews. We discussed just in recap uh, the MPO, how it played out for um, the Texas State Disc Golf Championship, and we discussed FPO, how it played out for them as well. There's a few closeout topics here before we get to the end of the show. First one being, you ready, guys? Ezra. Aderhold. Now, if you remember, and I feel kind of bad, because I really hope that it wasn't me that jinxed anything, and I'm not going to take the credit for that anyways. Right. But I asked him if it was a fluke at LVC, and he said the only thing that was a fluke was round three, which was a poor performance, according to him. Mm -hmm. And ever since then, we have seen a decline. Um, At this recent event, he averaged 989, which doesn't sound significantly bad, but for him, that is poor as a thousand. I think he's 22 rated, maybe. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, somewhere in there. It says, yeah, 33 points. So quick math, I would say you are just about right. Okay, so he shot one over par after three rounds at Texas State. That left him in 76th place. Now, nobody's happy about that. I'm not Mm -hmm. happy about that. I'm not reveling in his poor performance. But it it should be noted, the last four events following LVC, these are his placement finishes, 22nd, 27th, 67th, 76th. What's happened? Now, and you know, the, the, (laughs) you know, getting 22nd place and 27th place, you know, it sounds awful for, you know, kind of how he would describe how he wants the season to go and how we thought kind of like how the season would go. But at Memorial, he did average 1028 golf just above his rating. And then at Waco averaged 1024 golf again, just above his rating. Now you have two completely different style of courses. You got a really wooded one, or I should say 50, 50 wooded and open. And then you had Memorial, which was pretty much wide open. Then you get into more, I would say, 70 to 80% wooded golf, where Bellin, he only averaged 990 golf. And obviously at Texas, they only averaged 989. So I think we're kind of seeing something to where, obviously, he doesn't feel as comfortable in the woods as he does out in the open. And I think a lot of players could say that, especially the ones with that big distance. But I don't think that's going to be a trend that we see all year. Matt, I really want to say that you're probably not the reason why he's not doing <laughs> I as said, well. I don't want but, that um, credit. You know, I think you're an easy cop out. Maybe if he plays bad at Jonesboro, then all we'll right. definitely say, look, Matt, we're not allowed well, to talk to people. Let's talk about, about it because you did. You just brought up Jonesboro. And I think that's where the conversation needs to go. Um, Waco, it's not majority woods. It's half woods, right? It's it's nine holes o- more open. Still tough. Exactly. Still tough, and technical, Waco, 17, I'll hole you, 17, I'll and some others. Yeah, go ahead. The open holes at Waco. Excuse me. I got a niche. Um, the open <laughs> holes at Waco. I like feeling like I'm going to sneeze. I got to, I got to put, oh, there's Garrett again. I got to put that on, like, I got to clip that out and be, oh, oh yeah. sniff, sniff. I'm going to sneeze. <laughs> I know. You said I so, need to scratch. No, what did you say? I, I'll say this. At, at Waco, and I was there, I attempted to play Waco, and it was super windy. Two, 
out of the three days. And so, you know, that, that definitely plays a factor, even though it's a little bit more open on some of those holes when that wind is picking up its headwinds on certain holes, it's tailwinds on other holes. It definitely does not make it easier. And so, yeah. Okay. Sorry. I took another bite of jerky. I couldn't resist. No, it's all right. It's funny. I actually, I, you know, this is completely off topic, but I actually just got a message from Holly Finley saying that, sorry, my message, you know, the one that I sent her on Instagram, it for some odd reason went into her spam folder, which, you know, I'm not the most popular person in the world, so I can see how that happens. But she did say she'd love to come on the show sometime soon. So that's another guest that potentially in the future we will have on, which is awesome. Yeah, I mean, there's potential, especially she knows it. In the woods, she performs at a higher level than most because she hits those lines. We'll have her on soon. But exactly. back to Ezra. Yeah, when we say, get to, to Jonesboro, when we yeah. get to Jonesboro, this is this is literally, I don't want to say it's a test, but Eagle McMahon at Jonesboro, Ezra Aderhold at Jonesboro, even Kevin Jones, these these players who have been more or less underperforming according to what they would like to do. Um, Jonesboro seems to be, I've never been there. Have you been to Jonesboro? No, I haven't. I actually really want to go. That's one of the tournaments, the few tournaments I'd say left that I really want to go to. Obviously the Oregon tournaments because they look really, really nice. But Jonesboro actually looks like a really fun course. But and from, I've heard incredible things yeah, about it. Yeah, from what you've seen of it though. And yeah. again, I'm not a player, but from what you see on camera, it seems to be if you can throw far, and I'm not saying it's wide open far, but if you can throw far, you're going to set yourself, it sounds so obvious, yeah. for better opportunities for birdies. Um, and it's yeah. not as wooded. Like, it's not like a wooded, tree-ridden fairway course. And I feel like seeing players like Ezra perform well there could happen. Eagle, of course, again, Kevin Jones, Christic, all these players. Yeah. It's out of the woods as we've been in for the last two or three events. And if we still see underperforming at this event, then it seems to be more of a trend. So I'm not condemning him. Obviously he made a social media post that said, apparently he's a horrible disc golfer. Now his mental game, that means is starting to question his skills, which can only then lead towards unless that's how he inspires himself. He can't do that on the course. But, yeah, exactly. But I haven't seen the social uh, so, media post, but I could definitely say, Ezra, you're not a horrible disc golfer. You know, that's a very false statement. Um, I, I think he will perform well. He just Jones needs Bro. to play. He just needs to play with you once or twice and you'll feel better about himself. Right. Exactly. <laughs> we can go with that one. <laughs> you got me early. I'm razzing you now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so, no, okay. um, I definitely think that uh, great things will happen with Ezra this year. I think we're going to hit a stretch <laughs> of tournaments where longer courses are going to start coming into play that have that openness, but still you got to hit the lines. But the, the advantage definitely goes to a player who can throw that big shot. So, yeah. All right. I got faith in him. All right. Here's another closeout topic. And we'd be remiss not to bring it up. Brody Smith, because we've been doing this almost every show so far this season. Uh, we're calling the it the Brody, Brody Smith, Smith track. Yeah, exactly. It's its own segment now. Um, I'm just going to put it this way. He's still, still shooting better than I expected. Now, who am I? I'm Matt of the Nick and Matt show, and it doesn't mean much, but yeah. I didn't expect him. I'm just being honest. After last year, I did not expect him to come out and rank anywhere near the 20th percent, like 20th place. Where there's 25th, yeah. 27th, 20th, 18th, like the fact that he's doing that and averaging about that right now in the mm-hmm. 25th place or better. Um, if he does that all the way to the end of the season, incredible. I'm already impressed, but if he does that throughout the whole season, when we see courses like 
and this is where I'm going to put a whole big litmus test on it. Ledstone, mm-hmm. Idlewild, MVP Open, Green Mountain Championships. Again, you'd say, well, what what's the difference? Is that like Waco or is that like uh, even Texas State where we just where they just were? Nick, you've been no, to a lot of these all courses. A lot harder. Yeah. Okay. Thank uh, so you. I Speak to I it. I haven't. I obviously I haven't been to the Texas State or the Belton courses, but from what I've seen. There wasn't as much scoring separation as I think that we would see at courses like Ledgestone, at Northwoods Golds and Eureka Temp Course, if they're still playing that one, at Idlewild, where the fairways actually seem a little bit tighter. There seems like to be more OB at Idlewild, I'm pretty sure. So I think that's more of a scoring separator course. Obviously, MVP Open has a lot of OB. Um, very, very fair course, being Maple Golds. Very incredible course. Number one course in the world, actually. And then my one of my personal favorites going up to Vermont every single year, the Green Mountain Championships. I think out of the three courses I was just talking about, I think those are kind of the easier ones when it comes to Bruce Ridge being in the woods and then Fox Run being definitely a little bit more open, but very, very fair. Um, but that's uh, that's one of my all-time favorite tournaments. I love going up there. I think that's that's a place Brody's going to do exceptionally well at. Um, Brody's got the distance. He's got the upshots. He's working on the forehand game. He's got incredible forehand touch. And he said his putting is finally starting to feel better again. So I think those are all good things leading up into these next few tournaments. Uh, I should say those ones more of the back. Yeah, 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 yeah. The ones we were talking about. So to just touch on my perspective of his forehand touch, apparently Mm -hmm. he's he's, he's really good at scrambling, which I feel like makes sense coming from, and I think I've heard him say this, from the ultimate background, having a lot of those step out, lean, weird kind of body placement that we're not used to, um, he's able to incorporate that into scrambling. And yeah. I think you had to have a scramble game at Texas State. Um, you had to yeah. have a scramble yeah, game at Waco. Like. And he's Definitely. and he's able to do it. He's performing, again, um, at a higher level than I think somebody who's their second year in disc golf should be doing. So. Yeah. Brody's an athlete. Brody, you know, he takes his body very seriously when it comes to he stretches before the round, he stretches after the round. And so to be an athlete and to be athletic out in the course, he's definitely proving how that is an advantage. And he's grown. I would say he's probably the only one who feels he's not playing as well as he should be when a lot of other people out in the disc golf world are thinking, hey, you actually you're really impressing me. You're impressed me with how you've, you know, you took the second half of the year off last year obviously dealing with the Lyme disease and wanting to better yourself as a disc golfer got a big win and then coming into the 2021 season shooting incredible golf hitting that thousand rating and you know I I think that's a lot of good things going on yeah for sure I now now you got me interested in another topic and it wasn't in our show notes so we'll just dabble a little bit here but you said he's an athlete and I just want to have a fun conversation what other athletes like actual athletes that we know in the world, I'm just going to pick Tom Brady uh, or Tiger Woods or uh, Stefan Curry or, I mean, LeBron seems a little bit, I don't know, like a disc golfer, but the point is pick another athlete, right? Pick your favorite athlete. How fast do you think your favorite athlete could transition to the sport of disc golf? And, and I mean that in the sense of actually perform at an above average level. And in the case of Brody, I know he came from a disc sport background. So that is an advantage as an athlete and a disc sport background. 
But so let's take, I don't know, Tom Brady's getting a little yeah. old now, but he's 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 well, a hero to us up here in New England. Yeah. And now oh, Tampa obviously. Bay. So <laughs> but like how funny, long would it take him to throw a yeah. disc and perform at a thousand rating? Yeah, just a funny thing about Tom Brady really quick, though, and it made me laugh because yesterday was 328, and that's obviously the halftime score of that Super Bowl against the Falcons, and Tom Brady had actually posted a picture saying happy 328 day and tagged a bunch of Patriots players in it. <laughs> so that was really cool to see. That was like, Kind of maybe. Okay, you know. interjection. Better, better player, maybe. And this just got me excited because the chat got excited. Patrick Mahomes. Oh man, I think that We're was saying a Patrick's better player than Tom Brady. <laughs> no, we're not starting that debate. Oh no, no. I, that's we're saying, saying we're saying which athlete could perform disc golf within, let's say, a year or two's time at a thousand rated player or better. I would pick Mahomes over Brady a hundred percent of the time. Yeah. How cool would it be? To see an athlete like Mahomes get into disc golf. Now, it's not going to happen. But imagine that, the level, because you know how in tune they are with every portion. And now maybe it's like Macbeth. Maybe it's like Ricky's trying to do and Brody and all these players are trying to do now. Eagle, refining portions of their throw and their body down to the nth degree. But you take an athlete who's making uh, X amount of million dollars a year as their job and they're taking it very seriously and they came to disc golf, it would be very cool to see yeah. at what level disc golf could actually be performed at as a, again, true, true athlete. And that's yeah, not to discredit, I, I, real quick, that's not to discredit Paul, Eagle, Ricky, anybody else. You're, oh, true, gotcha, athlete, yeah. you're true athletes as well. I hope you understand my comparison yeah. to outside of disc golf. I think if you were to look outside of disc golf and I want to spend too much time on it only in the sense of like, this is a very objective conversation. I think anyone would like, I'll probably get roasted for what I'm going to say, but I think a lot of baseball players, athletic baseball players, and especially very athletic pitchers would have, and you can kind of say the same thing. Whoever's a great hitter in baseball. I think they have that hip rotation. They have that explosiveness. Um, I think baseball would correlate pretty well into those athletes transitioning over into disc golf. And one of the reasons I say that is, you know, we look at one of our friends, Nick Economos, he's obviously he's playing, been playing disc golf for years and years and years, but he's an incredible baseball player, you know, was up playing double a ball. I think, you know, potentially got signed to a team out in Canada. I don't know what's going on with that, but he's an incredible pitcher and I've seen him pitch live. It's, it's very fun to watch, but he's also someone who distance wise could keep up with the best players in the world without a doubt. Um, athletically he's an incredible athlete when it comes to baseball and he's also he's one of those people who you just look and said look if you spent a year or two honing in your skills in like say the sport of disc golf he'd be a an insanely insanely good t player i don't want to say like top five top 10 top 20 because that's obviously it all depends on the person but i think he would be an incredible incredible player in our sport following what baseball has taught him into what disc golf is kind of how, how it's played. But so, you know, I, I honestly, I thought tennis players would make incredible disc golfers. And then <laughs> someone said, no, like I, I met a tennis player who played like semi pro and who was starting up disc golf. And he was like, it really does not correlate at all. So, so I, I don't know. <laughs> you just reminded me of a funny quick, I'll try to tell a quick story. I have my, my four sons, one of them, Hunter, 11 years old, but I think probably back when he was like eight years old, maybe seven, somewhere in that range, but he was really, still is really into disc golf, sponsored disc golf by Innova Discs. Thank you for their sponsorship to him. But he once was playing um, a game of like charades <clears throat> and think this out in your head. It's actually kind of funny. If you get a card that says tennis, like you're playing tennis and you try to act out tennis 
but your sport of choice is disc golf. So he's a disc golfer. He's watching somebody act out tennis. Now, how would you act out tennis? On camera here, if you're watching live, you're going to be doing like side arms. You're going to be doing backhands. You're going to do overhand shots, like spiking the tennis ball. You're going to be yeah. doing all of those shots. And he's standing there and he's like watching what they're doing. He's watching them act it out. And he's like, his answer instead of a tennis player is, a disc golfer throwing every single type of disc golf shot. That was his answer. <laughs> and it was like, not, not a bad bro, answer. it looks just like it. You're right. So it, yeah. the charades of tennis looks very much like a disc golfer throwing every shot of disc golf. So, okay, moving on to I'd our next topic. I'd be curious if an incredible tennis player really did come over into the sport. I'd, I'd be <laughs> curious to see their athleticism into it, you know. let's. But uh, any, we have to pay any, a lot you know, of money. We could have a TV show made on that. That'd be pretty cool. Uh, players switching know, up right. sports. Is there a series like that anywhere? That sounds really cool. Players, like, switching up sports. Now, I know athletes can typically play pretty well, but, like, actually have them, like, switch up just for, like, a week or... Well, it'd have to be, like, a month so they could get into it. Yeah. But that'd be a cool episode, and one being disc golf. That'd be pretty cool. Mm -hmm. All right, moving on. Jonesboro... Uh, not Jonesboro, sorry. Is Woods Golf... In general, this is a, a weird take here, but is Joe, is Woods Golf good for disc golf? And obviously, we're talking Maple Hill, a lot of Vital Wild, Texas State. We're talking yeah. a portion of Waco. Like, who here likes yeah. Woods Golf, let's say, more than open ball golf style courses and vice versa? What do you think, Nick? What's your preference for course that you like to play? So I'll give you the player's perspective and then the spectator perspective. Uh, for me, spect uh, excuse me, for me, player-wise, I'd much rather play in the woods, mix in a couple open holes here and there. Um, but I, I love wood golf. It's it's super fun. I mean that that to me, that's how I grew up playing. And I'm not talking like 100% woods courses. I'm talking about you know like courses where there's woods, but there's fairways. Like one of my favorite all-time courses is W.R. Jackson. Another one is there's a course in New York. It's called FDR State Park. And um, the back nine of that course is one of my favorite back nines to play in disc golf. I love the open style fairways that have trees, you know, pretty regularly. But then I also love playing, you know, Maple Hill where you have holes like three, four, five, six, seven. That just really, you got to hit a fairway to succeed. Um, and I think a majority of people would say they love playing that kind of golf in the sense of anyone who throws 400 feet and under i think would agree to woods golf is more fun it's a different style of play you're not really ripping drivers all day you're kind of finessing mid ranges and fairways and those hybrid drivers and with a couple holes here and there throwing out that big drive but as a spectator and i want to you know allude to a tweet that i saw by will schustrick i think um i think and he had said <laughs> so yeah and so he had said that you know, ball golf is way easier to watch. It's way easier for the filming crews. It's way easier for the spectators to have out on the course. And it's way easier to watch like post round production and even live production as well. And I like, I agree to that in the sense of, I don't like watching this previous tournament. I don't think it was, and it's nothing against the camera crews. They're obviously doing the best that they can do out there. But I don't think where people were set up showcased how the course actually plays in a sense. And I know that's hard to like completely tell how a course plays. Like I didn't know D-Glow was actually as elevated as it was until I actually went out to Michigan and played the course. So I guess what I'm thinking is like I can't really, 
you know, see how much the fairways bend or anything like that just from watching the live coverage because you had, you know, obviously a camera guy on the tee and then sometimes you had a camera guy by the basket, but it's like all of a sudden you see them tee and then you lose the disc for a couple seconds and then boom, catch cam comes on and there's the disc again and you're kind of like, well, you know, what the heck just happened? So I think I, I love watching Woody Golf. I think whoever, you know, is filming Maple Hill and a lot of courses like that that do play a majority in the woods, they do an incredible job with it. I wasn't a favorite, like a, I didn't really care for the coverage of Texas State in the sense of like I don't, I don't think the course looked that great. I don't. It's probably a course I would enjoy playing here. Let me interject. Let me there, interject. Do you think you know, something that I would love? Do you think that the Disc Golf Pro Tour would have chosen this course, like as a Pro Tour course? Do you think they would if, let's say, uh, the National Tour gets swallowed up as we? mentioned last I, week or two weeks ago would they say okay yep you're in as a pro tour course or do you think the pro tour is like yeah i don't think that's really you know, our style i i think if the pro tour wanted that course as a pro tour event they would have had it this year as a pro tour event i think that's kind of my reasoning towards it, it i've heard good things about the course i've heard a lot of pros say they like it but at the same time a lot of pros who say they like it are pros that did well at it and then a lot of pros who said they didn't like it are pros that didn't do well at it so it's kind of like eagle can't really tell how good or how good a course is not eagles quoted as saying i feel like he he goes i feel like the course i I liked the course well enough he's like but there's a handful of holes or trees or something that would have to change to make it uh more likable by all disc golfers is how he put it so there's definitely um who said this this was eagle so there's definitely and he he finished what eighth so i mean like he he did okay but he he was still alluding to the fact that there's a significant but i guess my point here is i'm trying to get your opinion on you gave me is would the disc golf pro tour choose this as a course the national tour did are they on different levels because i feel like the national tour events Am I way off here? Maybe it's just like a bias from what I'm remembering. But like um, the Delaware Disc Golf, wait, is it Del- Iron Hill? It, that's a, yep. That was a national yep. tour, right? That's Delaware, yep. And that's really, really, really. I think that's really, really, be the NT finale. It's really, 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 really wooded as well. I mean, there's, yeah. I feel like, am I wrong in saying this? That disc golf started in the woods, like more so? I don't mean started officially the very, very first, like whatever, pole hole. But I just mean in general, that's where disc golf thrives. Like when you throw a shot, Nick, as a player, which do you enjoy more? Watching it pure, beautiful hole at Maple Hill through the woods, you know, landing near the basket or an open field where you're parking it with rope OB. Now, I'm not trying to say that both don't deserve a place, but I I personally think um, I I like the woods. Now, to your point, is there too much? I feel like uh, what course do we just watch? Texas State's. Uh, what, what is the name of it? Pine. What is it? Dogwood. Oh, sorry. Dogwood. Yeah. The hardest disc golf course ever. Um, there weren't enough fairway lines for you to be able to tell for sure if it was a great shot as far as the viewer was concerned. So exactly. So I'm curious, I'd be curious to actually reach out to a lot of the pros who, you know, play that event and just kind of get their take on it. Obviously I'm going to see Paul in a few days. Hold on. So I'll ask him. I'm going to see Hannah in a few days. I'm cutting you off again. I'm not sure. Simon know, just did, Simon did just FPO, commented. I'm assuming they played the same tees, but their pars were different. So I'm curious how the FPO players liked the course. Yeah, and I'm sorry. I was trying to. I know you can't hear me well for some reason tonight, and I've been trying to cut you off. I apologize for that. During so this is a quote from Simon who just commented live right now. 
During last week's rounds, I listed, I listened to the commentators talk about, and he writes in quotes, unfortunate, lucky, good or bad break. He says more than in all other sports ever combined. I love playing in the woods, but it's a fluke fest. Yeah. So that is from now, Simon I'm, Lazar I'm curious, himself. Is that, is that depending on just because of last week's course? I don't know. Or is he talking about like Maple Hill? Yeah, like I was going to say, Simon, what wooded course is not really a fluke fest or not really lucky? Like to me, I've heard that for some odd reason, W.R. Jackson is the luckiest course out there. You know, you have to be lucky to win at W.R. Jackson. When I've seen, I've played the course, I've seen the coverage. It's one of my courses, favorite courses to watch and play. And I think that you just need to be a skilled woods player to shoot well there with distance and throwing those hybrid drivers. But um, at the same time, I'm obviously way more inexperienced compared to a lot of professionals who almost in a sense would have a better opinion on this matter. Uh, I mean, everyone can have their own opinion, obviously, but I'd be curious, Simon, if you're still in there, you know, what is a more wooded course that's not as fluky? <clears throat> All right. Because um, this one, this one personally to me did look fluky. And that's why I don't think, you know, potentially would not see it maybe on the national tour again next year or depending on what goes on with the pro tour. I don't, I don't think we'd ever see it as a pro tour event. Hey, I'm not saying I'd have as good of chance as anybody else on that course, but it does start to, and as we saw, the scores compress. So, I mean, it is a course where it's like, it's hard. And that's not, that's not a, that's not how yeah. you should evaluate a course if it's hard or not, but it's hard to, um, see that scoring separation because it gets compressed by all the, and I'm just going to use the word Nick, I mean, Simon used here, it's flukes. So it's like, even if you're getting off a good shot, it's going to be compressed. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking in the audio term, we use compressors here. It yeah. kind of pulls high down, down and it pulls low up high. So, all right, moving yeah, I on. Think, I think well, one last thing really quick. One thing that I don't care to see a lot is, you know, I don't care to see scorecards with no bogeys on it. Like I like it when people have to struggle to score well at a course. And I think courses that have scoring separation to me, whether they're wooded or in the open are way more enjoyable to watch. You know, like I love watching USDGC because every single hole can be a train wreck. And then especially hole 17, it's only a 200 somewhat foot hole, but it's one of the hardest holes in disc golf because of all that pressure that comes on into that final hole. So to go to a course where, you know, I don't think Ricky what, maybe had two or three bogeys throughout the whole weekend at Belton. He only had like, I, I, did he go bogey free at Belton? Like those are, those are things that are happening in our sport right now. You got these courses where players are just demolishing them. And obviously park can be changed here and there, I guess, but just because you change the part doesn't, you know, so technically make the course harder in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's a whole nother. We've talked about yeah. that a lot. Uh, someone yeah. actually said in the chat here that they're local. They live local in Tyler. Um, mm -hmm. Dogwood, they said, has one tee, two sets of baskets on each hole. MPO and FPO played a mix of both, but FPO played more of them, as in probably the shorter locations. Gotcha. Cool. So I'd love to see like a course map on their course. And I obviously I can watch the <laughs> Joe post round production. I, yeah. I watched, I watched from hole one to hole 18, the final round. Cause obviously I knew it was going to be a battle. I was rooting for Haley the whole time. And, um, so okay. I, I did get to enjoy watching it, but I don't know the difference of the men's tee versus, or excuse me, the men's basket versus the female basket on that. Exactly. It was so. hard to tell. You could tell that they played exactly. alternate, but it was hard to tell. But, 
So you you watched live. Did you happen mm-hmm. to catch any audio from the Disc Golf Network? Did you hear anything from commentators or players? <laughs> yeah, I actually okay. Look at your course notes. Uh, excuse my me, show notes. Your uh, show notes, and it made me laugh because I obviously know what's coming up about this. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Someone tagged me in a post, and so, then I also I saw the funniest thing on Instagram, and it was a funny meme back in the day of these people lighting off fireworks and yelling, "Oh no, Terry, put it in reverse, Terry!" and like. Just a so, wicked funny video. So and just, uh, yeah. So someone had posted that after Terry's little slip up of words, and I, it was, it was just, it was a funny thing. Um, but I did, I did like hearing the audio of the players. Like I, I like to feel like I'm at the event in the comfort of the living room that I'm at at that moment. Like it is cool to see or hear the players of like, you know, what do they say after a shot? Like Paul was mic'd up the first round with Jomez. And I actually love that idea. I think it's really cool to kind of hear his thoughts like, oh crap, like why does the disc keep slipping out of my hand? Why are you early releasing this? What kind of putt was that? Or like, you know, dang, that was sick or something like that. So I really like the audio and you know, if some profanity drops out here and there, I mean, I'm 26 years old. I'm not really like going to go cry because I heard a bad word, but I, I think it's funny. Yeah. So on that topic though, uh, is someone like my five-year-old, six-year-old, 11-year-old are listening and, and the, the opposite direction, obviously is a 26 year old living away from home. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm not scared of them hearing words. Um, or their frustration. Um, I just think it's interesting because there's not very many pro sports. Now, granted, this is on broadcast television. I get that. Um, and and probably, I know there's a, there's a pretty large following for like Fight Night and MMA out there. And I'm pretty sure they're not editing out uh, the pay-per-view for that either. So like, I just thought it was interesting because I heard more of it this week and as far as the profanity is concerned than I ever have. And... Yeah. Obviously, we're kind of joking about Terry's uh, slip of the tongue saying yeah. that, and I'm, I got to word this correctly because I don't want to make the same mistake myself, the tree yeah. sucking the disc, okay? And, and, that's, yeah. and you can imagine how he made that slip. Um, it incredibly, let I've me- I've heard it a thousand times. People accidentally- And do you laugh every time? Or, I don't know, for, yeah, P- it all pitching, depends on who says Pitching it, their yeah. tents, you know, have you ever seen that YouTube video? There's a lot of funny yeah. videos out there with people and like just- overwhelmed by but here's the thing yep terry miller holy cow how in the world it was it that moment where he's like oh man this is gonna make or break my career here like i need to just move on and just like be professional because it was amazing like that is incredible to do that and then and, and to keep talking while your brain is like rewinding about what you just said out loud on live incredible to him I wish yeah. I could see though. I wish I could have seen Mo, uh, Johnny V, uh, if Jeff Spring was happening to watch live, all the faces at the same yeah. time when he did that. Oh, actually, Nate Sexton, uh, yeah, Nate Doss, Sexton and Valerie yeah. Doss. <laughs> like, yeah, it, I mean, it would have been it would have been funny to see. That yeah. would have been epic. So good, good for them. Good for them. I, I think they handled it well. Yeah. And I was, I'm not gonna lie, I was a little bit curious, Nick. I was a little bit curious if the pro tour, and it may still happen, was to issue some form of apology. It happens in every other sport. It's not saying, oh, we're horrible people. It's kind of like, hey, like, 
I don't know. We made a mistake. We'll try to do better. I think, you know, to be honest, I haven't seen much like hate against what happened. Obviously, it was an accident. I, I think if people were to make a massive stink about it, yeah, maybe come out with a statement really quick and say like, oh, hey, I'm sorry. I, you know, slipped up my words. <laughs> Obviously, he wasn't meaning of course. to say what he said. Of course. But at the same time, like, you know, it. it it made hey, me laugh. Is this where it's, that phrase know, making me laugh at the same time? Yeah. Is know? this where that phrase, you know, all publicity is good publicity? Is it one of those? Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, Terry, I don't know if you listen this far into our show. Physical. Yeah, I don't know if Terry listens this far or if he listens to our yeah. show at all. But Terry, yeah. if you do, we love you. We think it was uh, incredible uh, as far as the professionality you had, even through the slip up. Uh, keep up the good work out there. Totally enjoyed it. Um, Nick, let's get ready to wrap it up here. What's coming up? Silver Series, which I was, I'm not going to lie, I was a little surprised with because I wasn't expecting it. Um, April 8th. So we're just about a week out from that. It's called Vintage Open. It's in Arkansas at a course called Old Post. Now it's the Old Post gold layout. It's an 8,000 foot par 60. Um, there okay. will be disc golf now, or disc golf now. <laughs> Shout out to... And this is free advertisement. Sorry, we got a local guy up here that has Disc Golf Now. And he's like a Disc Golf humor guy. If you look him up on Facebook, Disc Golf Now. But anyways, Disc Golf Network is going mm -hmm. to live broadcast the final round of the Silver Series. So uh, I didn't look who's like, registered. Like, Do you know who's going to be playing yeah. in Arkansas? Anybody? <laughs> I, I should pull not. that up. I should pull that up. Yeah. Yeah, pull that up really quick because I, I don't personally... I'm assuming a lot of people are. I mean, I don't think... I mean, obviously, Arkansas and Texas are right next to each other. I don't know how far the drive is from where they are just finishing up in Texas. But I'm assuming a lot of players are going out to this event. It is a Silver Series event. It is a chance to get on coverage for the final day. Um, I'm sure there's going to be post-produced teams going to that event as well. I do know, you know, Macbeth. I know Sexton are not going to be at that event. Um, Here you so go. Here you go. You have, uh, I'm just going to read off the notables, and I apologize for leaving anybody out of here. Yeah. Nico LoCastro, Garrett Gerthy, Greg Barsby, James Conrad, uh, Chandler Fry, you made the notables for me. Um, Colton Montgomery, Ricky Wysocki, Zach Melton, Kevin okay. Jones, Calvin yep. Heimberg, Emerson Keith. This is a, this is a notable list. Pretty uh, field. How about Chris, for the FPO side? Chris Clemens, and I'm going down here. Yeah, um, let's yeah. see. Austin Hannum, Casey White. I'm going to scroll down a little farther. Okay, Kona, nice. Kona, Lisa Fakus, Rebecca Cox. This should be good. Yep. I would love to see Rebecca Cox and Kona go head-to-head -head there, which yep. they're going to. Lisa Fakus, Sarah Hokum, Katrina Allen, Jessica Weiss, yep. Ellen Widboom, um, and the Manduano sisters. Um, yep. Okay. Uh, a cat merch yeah, and some say, others. Hamas yeah. is going. I don't know if you said Hamas, but that's you know a great opportunity. He'll be the fourth highest rated player at that event. So this this is a pretty big cool big event, and there's not like Eagles not there. If Ricky takes it down, not there. Eh, if Ricky takes it down, that's a three in a yeah. row. That's the hat trick. That's, exactly. Uh, Ezra is going to be there. So curious to see how Ezra does. Alden Harris making a good name for himself had a pretty good showing last week at the national tour. Uh, is Brody going to this one? I didn't Brody see Brody Smith there. will be there. So okay. there's another opportunity. Zach Arlingus. We haven't really talked to him too much. I don't think he's been touring around too much, but I think we're getting more into his neck of the woods. So Arkansas. He's a young gun. I'm pretty sure. Uh, or Kentucky. Player. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think Kentucky, I think, but, um, and then after this yeah. vintage open, just getting ready, guys. The next Disc Golf Pro Tour, the Elite Series, does not start until the 16th 
April 16th through 18th, Jonesboro again. Um, is this sponsored by Prodigy or is this by um, who's the, who's the usual it sponsor? Play it again. Okay. Play it again used to be the sponsor of it. I can I can look at that. Quick I forget it's changed once or twice, but yeah, exactly. That's okay. We don't owe them uh, an announcement for that. It is. Yeah, it's it's played against. <clears throat> Sports Jonesboro opened powered by Prodigy. So I guess, you know, and it's a DGPT. So that one's going to have all the big names at it as well. Right. So incredible disc golf. Shoot. If you're not a disc golf network subscriber, go subscribe to it because we're an incredible point of disc golf right now to where week in and week out, we are getting coverage. Check out for those post round production coverages, companies uh, like uh, disc golf's in the world right now and it's booming and it's growing. So. Yeah, we made it to the end, Nick, and this is our second week in a row making a two-hour show. Some people like it, some people don't. I do want to tease out just a little bit because I saw earlier in the um, chat here, Nick and Matt, if you don't have Judge That Disc Golfer tonight, like I'm giving you one more chance or something. Like So here, yeah. I'm just going to give them a tease. Yeah. I'm going to give them a tease. Those segments that you have come to love over the whole last year, we're figuring out the best way to bring them back. We've got an idea. We're going to work on it. We think you'll be happy with it. It is more work for me, everybody. It is work for me. But yeah. if you love it, we're going to try to bring it back in some form or another. So please stick with us on that. Um, we know you enjoy it. Nick, what else do we have to close out with? Anything? You got anything for us? I would just say, you know, once again, thank you for the foundation crew and everything that they've been helping us out with. I, I'm, you know... Throughout the show, my camera quality got better. So hopefully throughout the whole <laughs> night, it was great for, you know, everyone watching live right now. But uh, on a serious note, everybody, check us out on YouTube, the Foundation Podcast Network. Uh, turn on the post notifications, like it, subscribe it, all that jazz. It helps us out. Uh, be on the lookout for clips from last week's episode. We had Ricky Casey. And who else did we have on last week? I'm drawing a blank, Matt. Um, me too. Ricky, Ricky Weissock. Casey Weissock. Yeah. Who was our FPO player? I'm drawing a blank now. Anywho, sorry to whoever it was. I'm just totally <laughs> drawing a blank. Um, but please go like, subscribe, turn on the post notifications, be on the lookout for everything happening with us. I also, for anyone who is on Twitter, I created a Twitter for the Nick and Matt show. Check it out. I think it's at Nick and Matt one. Um, I want to look for, see if I can get the ad tag of the Nick and Matt show, except I have no idea how that works. So check that out. Anyways, it was Heather Young. It was Heather Young. It was Heather, Heather Young. Young. <laughs> That's who it was. That's right. All right. Um, sorry, Heather. But anyways, tell someone you love them this week, people, and we will catch you in the next one. Nick, you're awesome. The Nick and Matt Show, a disc golf podcast designed for you, the disc golfer. Find the Nick and Matt Show on your favorite podcast platforms or stream us live exclusively on the Foundation Podcast YouTube channel. 